Academia Chair, this is Rosanna Montesinos. I will be clerking the meeting this evening. We will need about 30 seconds before call to order so that our team can start live streaming the meeting online. I will advise when 30 seconds begins. 30 seconds has begun. Good evening and welcome to June 15th, 2020. One moment, Chair. Oh, we have to start. Sorry. Okay, Chair. We are now. Staff is now ready. You are. Sorry about that. I was eagerly excited. Um, good evening and welcome to the June 15th, 2023 Active Transportation Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Good evening. Welcome to. Um, Yes, thank you, Chair. Thank you. Commissioner Banks? Absent. Commissioner Brazil? Present. Commissioner Gibson? Present. Commissioner Gonzalez? Present. Commissioner Harris? Present. Commissioner Hodel? Present. Commissioner Hoped? Hoped. Hoped. Here. <laughs> Commissioner Lee? Absent. Commissioner Rowe? I hear. Rowe. Rowe. My apologies. Vice Chair Granville? Present. Chair Dewar Westbrook? Yeah, <laughs> present. Thank you. We have a quorum. Wonderful. And Commissioner Banks just walked in. Oh. <laughs> okay. I would like to remind members of the public and chambers that if you would like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined the meeting and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you're online, click on raise your hand on the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping the raise hand option in the more tab. If you're calling in via telephone to raise your hand, dial star nine, then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You will have two minutes to speak once you are called on. After the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips and the raise hand function in Zoom will be disabled. We will now proceed with today's agenda. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. <clears throat> to the original people of this land, the Nisanon people, the Southern Maidu Valley and Plains Miwok, Patwan-Wintu peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands. By choosing to gather today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Okay. And please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. 
I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay. Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips and no speakers with their hands raised on this item. Thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Madam Chair, I move for approval. I have a motion from Commissioner Hunt. I'll second. And a second from Commissioner Brazel. Will the clerk please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Banks? Yes. Commissioner Brazil? Yes. Commissioner Gibson? Yes. Commissioner Gonzalez? Yes. Commissioner Harris? Yes. Commissioner Hodel? Yes. Commissioner Hoped? Hoped, I. <laughs> I'm going to get it straight. <laughs> Commissioner Lee? Absolute. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Vice Chair Granville? Aye. And Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes. Great. We'll now proceed uh, to the discussion calendar. Our first item today is item number three. Public review of the draft Sacramento 2040 general plan and climate action and adaptation plan. Is there a staff presentation? Good evening, Chair Westbrook and Commissioners. I am Ryan Dodge, an associate planner with the Community Development Department Long Range Planning Section. With me today is Remy Mendoza here. Uh, senior planner and project manager for the general plan and we have Vic Randall senior planner and project manager for the climate action and adaptation plan who is online we will all be available for questions at the end of this presentation so today our presentation is about a significant multi-year planning project called Sacramento 2040 it includes an update for two important planning documents the city's general plan and the climate action and adaptation plan or cap Beginning on April 28th, the draft plans for both documents became available for public review. We will share key aspects of the general plan for this commission with a focus on active transportation components of the mobility element. We will start the presentation with some background and overview of the project then focus on some of the key actions presented by both plans. Finally, we will talk about how we are collecting public input for these draft documents and the next steps prior to adoption of the plans in early 2024. The general plan is required by state law and is the city's long-term 20-year vision or blueprint for urban development and preservation in the city. The cap positions the city to reduce greenhouse gas emissions while adapting to projected climate change impacts. It sets ambitious targets and identifies key strategies and actions to achieve carbon neutrality by 2045. Sacramento 2040 also includes a Master Environmental Impact Report, or MEIR, 
which analyzes the environmental effects and impacts that arise from implementing these plans. This document is currently under development and we expect it to be available in the fall. Again, we will be focusing on the general plan today. We are updating the general plan because it's been over 10 years since we've done a comprehensive update. Second, Sacramento is one of the fastest growing cities in California and projects to grow in jobs and housing by the number shown on this slide. We want to make sure we are planning accordingly and growing responsibly. Third, this is an opportunity to address issues, trends, and opportunities, such as how to address the effects of climate change. This pyramid depicts the general plan in relation to other planning tools and documents. At the top of the pyramid is a general plan, which serves as an overarching umbrella document for other plans and codes. The general plan is more long-term and more general. All other specific plans, ordinances, and codes must be consistent with the general plan. This includes some parallel efforts underway, such as the Streets for People Active Transportation Plan. The general plan addresses statutory requirements for the circulation element per state law, which is what we call the mobility element, as well as the policy framework to balance walking, bicycling, riding transit, and driving within a multimodal network. The active transportation plan will act as Sacramento's primary implementation tool to address active transportation needs citywide. We are now in the early stages of phase four, seen on the far right, which includes the refinement of our draft documents. These documents were informed by lots of input in phases one and two, where we heard from thousands of community members. From this input, we developed a vision and set of guiding principles that the council adopted in 2019, then 10 key strategies that the council adopted in 2021. Since then, we have been actively working in phase three for the past two years, writing and refining these policies, working across departments, and do our best to make sure these documents incorporate best practices and reflect the community's vision. Now in phase four, we are taking the draft documents back to the community to make sure we have got it right. In these next two slides, we summarize the outreach we conducted in phases one and two. Our efforts have included community plan area workshops, community listening sessions, environmental justice working group meetings, and youth-focused outreach. Phase two included virtual workshops and a scientific survey. Between the two phases, we were able to engage thousands of residents. We will also be conducting more outreach this summer, which I will touch on later in the presentation. The general plan document is organized into four parts. Part one includes the introduction as well as the sustainability and equity chapter, which underscores our efforts to weave sustainability and equity throughout the general plan. It also includes indicators to help track our progress towards a more equitable and sustainable city. Part two is the heart of the general plan. It contains the goals, policies, and implementing actions that will guide development in the city over a 20-year planning horizon. It includes eight elements, including the youth, parks, recreation, and open space element, mobility element, and environmental justice element, just to name a few. Part three includes the 10 community plans and special study areas. 
the community plans include additional community-specific policies that complement the citywide policies found in part two. Part four is about administration and implementation of the general plan. A large portion of this part includes the implementation table, which lists all of the implementing actions in the general plan. And the appendices include vision and guiding principles, glossary, and some photo credits. The climate action and adaptation plan or cap includes a greenhouse gas inventory, measures and actions to reduce greenhouse gas emissions, a path to reach citywide carbon neutrality by 2045, a climate change vulnerability assessment, and strategies for adapting to projected impacts of climate change. So earlier I mentioned a set of indicators within the sustainability and equity chapter. These indicators are intended to measure our progress towards a more sustainable and equitable future, especially as we implement the general plan. A metric has been identified for each indicator which will help with annual reporting to decision makers and community members. These indicators include mode share infill development corridors and centers and housing burden. The general plan and cap cover a lot of different issues. In this presentation, we highlight some of the bold key actions we are proposing in these plans. Some general plan policies include work around allowing different types of housing throughout our city, infill development, transit-oriented development, limiting auto-centric land uses near transit, limiting gas stations while encouraging electric vehicle charging, mitigating the effects of hot temperatures, neighborhood planning, and increasing our tree canopy. Additional general plan policies include work around regulating polluting industries, investing in historically disadvantaged communities, increasing access to healthy food, encouraging urban ag, supporting transit, and increasing park access. The mobility element is organized around six goals you see on the screen centered around equity, sustainability, reducing driving alone, streets as places, a safer system for all, connections outside of the city, and focusing on a data-driven process. The 97 policies in the mobility element coincide with the six goals. And there are 10 actions to implement the goals and policies in the general plan. So key moves related to active transportation include striving to increase bicycling and walking citywide so the city can meet its equity, reduce vehicle miles traveled, and sustainability goals. It foster additional walking and bicycling connections to light rail stations and strengthen existing connections to enhance first and last mile connectivity. Promote walking and bicycling citywide through improvements to infrastructure, safety, and connectivity. And finally, prioritize the mobility, comfort, health, safety, and convenience for those walking, followed by those bicycling and riding transit ahead of those driving. Now we, we will talk about how community members, including commissioners, can provide input. To collect this input, we have put together a self-guided workshop. We have condensed about 1,000 pages of materials into about a dozen stations. 
Station boards provide an overview of each element, and there is space to provide comments at the bottom of each station board. The full text is also available for review and comment via a link at the end of each station board. Additionally, these station boards are available in English, Mandarin, Chinese, and Spanish. We will continue outreach this summer, meeting community members at places they go. We will also visit multiple committees and commissions, as well as the council. We will release the general plan MEIR in a few months and expect to go to council for final approval early next year. This concludes our presentation. We welcome any feedback on process and next steps. Thank you. Thank you so much for your presentation. Before we get started with the commissioner comments, we're going to hear from the public. So, Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. Yes, I have three speaker slips and no hands are raised online. The first speaker will be Erica. Hello. Thank you for uh, having me this evening, and I appreciate the presentation. Um, so some general comments on the transportation plan. I think it's generally good. I think it's good that you have more infill housing by transit because often when I'm on the train, it's empty most of the time. And I think that's probably a waste of a lot of money and resources. So I do think it's good that you allow uh, building more like apartments, things like that buy it so that people would actually use it. Um, but I would want you guys to consider expanding that to half a mile as opposed to just a quarter mile. Um, because I think half a mile is usually the metric used, not a quarter mile. So you guys might be selling yourselves a little bit short if you go with quarter mile. Um, another area of concern would be wind biking, especially through arterial roads, since those are often only the, viable, the only viable paths. I often feel really unsafe, and it's often really unpleasant, not necessarily because of the engines, but because of the tires rolling on the street. It gets really loud, feels unsafe as all the cars are zipping by, a lot of them speeding. Um, so it's nice that you're installing bike lanes and things like that on arterial roads, but Often, I would prefer to use the sidewalks anyway if they're available because being so close to the traffic, to the car zooming by, just does not feel safe. All they have to do is maybe not be paying attention at one point and then kind of just swerve off to the side a little bit and I could get hit. So it often feels really unsafe. So I would recommend perhaps focusing on things like protected bike lanes as well, as well as filling in the gaps in sidewalks. So thank you so much for uh, hearing me out, and I will leave it to there. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker will be Dan. Good evening, commissioners. Dan Allison, living in District 4. Um, my comments are about both the general plan and the uh, 
Climate Action Plan um, because they both have the same flaws. Um, they fail to meet several of the objectives that were established by council. It's though when they went to the planning process, they just ignored council. Um, the go the uh, preface language sounds great. Um, can't disagree with a single thing said there, but when we get to goals and policies, the language is vague and could be interpreted many different ways. The entire effort relies far too much on EVs, over which the city has almost no control other than perhaps providing charging stations, and SMUD actions over which the city has almost no control. And the Mayor's Climate Commission, it was completely pretty much ignored in both of these documents as though it had never happened and didn't exist. Thank you. The final speaker will be Alyssa. Hi, good evening. My name is Elisa Lee. I'm a District 4 resident in the New Era neighborhood. Um, I myself don't own a car, and I also use bike and um, walking to get around. And um, while I am really excited about the, the, late, the soft language in the plan, it's all in the details that I feel it falls very short. Um, it continues to orient all of most of the residents of the city to rely on cars. It's very self-conflicting about how to achieve the outcomes of air and noise pollution reduction, which almost never interact with cars as the source. And it's just very unambitious and, and lacks a lot of basic features around walkability and transit access. Um, what I want to speak on is urgency and equity. Um, it's really not an option to keep structuring our city for cars. And I know that you all agree with this, but the actual details of the plan, I feel like the outcomes are to you know, move people who are affluent, able-bodied, or very ideologically motivated to bike and take transit rather than a wholesale shift away from car dependency. We, for example, in Table 2.1, there's a call for a VMT per capita reduction of 20% by 2030 and 30% by 2045. And it's clearly stated the, the benefits of reducing VMTs, but if the stated outcome is to reduce pollution, it should be overall VMTs that are reduced, not per capita, especially as the city continues to be growing and will continue to be uh, um, supported for more cars to come in. Um, roadway reallocations was really disappointing because um, this is one of the most important things that you that the city can actually have control over to make streets safer and should be determined by more than just fatalities but really thriveability and and the ability for all people to really have a thriving life not just not get killed thank you your time is up thank, thank you. you thank you chair I have no more speakers Thank you, and thank you for everyone who took the time to come and speak today. Um, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? Okay, uh, Commissioner Gibson. I want to first uh, thank city staff for this um, this general plan. It does begin moving us in the correct direction about addressing our climate goals and addressing Vision Zero. However, I do like to uh, make a first comment that I don't believe we go far enough to achieve the city's vision for addressing climate action and Vision Zero, as stated by previous council policy. Um, thus, to help 
establish the city vision goals, I move that the Active Transportation Commission adopts a series of recommendations, which I have here below in a second, um, that can be the official Active Transportation Policy uh, recommendation from this commission. Um, these recommendations, I have them written down. I can send them later to staff, including the specific citations on um, the, plan, the general plan document. Um, there are seven recommendations. Uh, first one involves light rail transit station improvements per sidewalks and lighting. The, the line is, the active transportation recommends, in addition to this policy, quote, the city shall place at the highest active transportation priorities to ensure sidewalks and lighting are present on all residential streets within a quarter mile of light rail stations. Second policy uh, about uh, new South Davis, or sorry, South Natomas uh, bike trail connection to the rail yards. Uh, the ATC recommends the following, quote, with the construction of a new light rail bridge connecting South Natomas over the American River, the city shall create a class one bike trail at levee level, which would not be regularly flooded, allowing direct bike access. A recommendation three, prohibit new drive-through restaurants. The ATC recommends the following, amend the policy to say, quote, the city shall prohibit new drive-through restaurants, striking the distance requirement. Uh, recommendation number four, promote permanent open street conversion. The ATC recommends the following. The city shall identify streets for removal of regular through traffic towards pedestrianization of city streets with a focus on streets in dining and entertainment corridors. Uh, recommendation number five, promote outdoor dining program. Uh, the, ACE, the ATC recommends the following line be added to line M3.6. The city shall work towards streamlining the approval process and ensuring fees associated are not burdensome to local businesses wishing to use the outdoor dining program. Recommendation number six uh, about parking management strategy. Eliminate parking minimums and institute parking maximums. Uh, the ATC recommends the following changes on line M2.17. Uh, the city shall eliminate city mandating parking minutes, and the city shall implement parking maximums along established transit corridors. And recommendation number seven, the last one I have here, uh, increase the allowable FAR or floor area ratio in the current plan. The ATC recommends the following modifications to floor area ratio maximums. Quote, the city shall have an allowable FAR of at least two citywide, and the city will have a minimum allowable FAR of at least five on citywide on already built parcels zoned for commercial and mixed use. Um, so those are my seven recommendations. I appreciate a second. If I could, this, this is not an action item. This is for review and comment. Uh, and so under the Brown Act, really to, to take a motion would be inappropriate. Now, as it is a review and comment, your suggestions could certainly uh, be part of the, you know, the comments on this item. Uh, yeah, I, but there's I, no motion. Um, if for the motion, I would like further um, clarity on what specific policy is um, that we can't take a vote on an item brought before us. It's the Brown Act. This is the agenda is for review and comment. If you were going to take a motion, that needed to be in the agenda. Um, well, I understand if that's the decision that we can't, as the active transportation, take a vote at this meeting. Is there any other way that this commission can take a formal vote on formal recommendations for um, this policy area? Uh, if, tonight or at another time? If you wanted to put it on a, a future agenda, uh, you could make those recommendations. You are an advisory body, and so you have made your advice. These are some of the comments that will 
will be taken into consideration uh, on these items. So that may be sufficient. Um, thank you for the clarif uh, clarification. I do find it unfortunate that as a commission we cannot take a formal position um, since, you know, you know, on the commissioner's handbook, you know, primary role of commission is to increase public input and participation, um, you know, make recommendations to city staff and council is listed in the commissioner handbook. If that's the law, I understand we can't move forward. Um, and it sounds like we might need to um, discuss what the purview of the commission is in the future with elected leaders if they want to um, reevaluate. And also, I do want to follow up. So I know previous plans we've seen that we are allowed to take a vote on. What would be the um, fundamental difference between reviewing the general plan today versus um, some of the other items we regularly see? I'm not sure if I understood the question. Sorry, yeah, I'll rephrase. Um, I recognize that if it's a city policy that we cannot, or the Brown Act. City policy, it's the Brown Act. Thank you for clarification. Um, so if the, so um, I know we take votes on other policies. Um, because this is not an action item, what would make this an action item versus some other items that have been brought before us? The recommendation. So if this was placed on the agenda as an action item, mm -hmm. uh, receive, pass the motion, you might have a staff recommendation, pass the motion approving the whatever. Mm -hmm. That would be an action item. At so point, it, then, then you could take a motion. Okay, so thank you. So it's, um, go ahead. So, so I, I will, I'm happy to agendize this for next month's meeting so that we can then pass a motion. But yeah, I think that would be the, the best approach is. Additionally, this is Jacob Redberg from the city clerk's office. This is a receiving comment for a um, public review of the draft of the Sacramento 2040 plan. Um, and from how I understand it, and I'll defer to staff here, um, they're here to present to receive your comments so they can further uh, develop the 2040 plan. Thank you for that clarification. Uh, Chair Westbrook, Commissioners, Remy Mendoza, Senior Planner with Long Range Planning. At this time, um, the intent of this presentation and our overall goal is uh, to announce and share with you the release of the draft 2040 general plan that's available for public review and comment. This is a significant milestone. A general plan is only updated possibly once every 10 or 15 years. Um, at this time, we would welcome feedback from the entire community, all 500,000 residents, and that, uh, that this general plan could really impact everybody. And this mobility element um, is really progressive and has significant goals and policies that are, are really important, and we do want feedback. Your comments, Commissioner Gibson, are welcome, and we certainly are happy to take a look at them um, in conjunction with all the other feedback that we're going to be receiving from the community over the next several months. Um, we're happy to look at all the feedback, um, uh, share with our consultants, with other departments for public works, um, and then uh, as part of our analysis, uh, make some recommendations when we do come back in the fall with the updated general plan that will incorporate feedback from all the boards and commissions, the community members, and additional analysis that we may have undertaken. Uh, so, but at this time, we're happy to take your comments and certainly take a look at them um, with all the other feedback we're receiving from the community and commissions as well. Thank you. Great, thank you so much for that clarification. Um, Commissioner Gibson, do you feel like all of your questions have been addressed or do you, is there anything else? I'm done speaking at the moment, thank you. Okay, great, and thank you um, again for sharing. Um, I have one quick question and then I'll continue on to other commissioners. Uh, for the comments that you are receiving, will those all be combined and posted online for the community to see? Um, what was received? Yeah, absolutely, great question. So the, as Ryan indicated in his presentation, 
We certainly want to create a transparent process where the community is able to see the feedback that's being provided um, on the general plan. And so what we've done is um, on SAC2040GP.org, our project website, we have a link to a self-guided workshop. Um, the document is posted on a platform. It's a conveyo platform that allows you to hover over any text, diagrams, maps, policies and provide, by simply selecting the, the text, you can provide your comment. So you can say, this policy, I would like to see it made stronger with some recommended language, or I give my thumbs up, I think that this is a good direction, the city's going with these goals, and um, uh, you know, I'm in support of this goal. Or you can go, if you just want to spend 10 minutes and quickly review it, you can review a summary, or if you want to spend 10 hours, review the entire chapter and write uh, uh, you know, additional text or language that you'd like to see in there, you can do that as well. And so that is available um, on the self-guided workshop, and everyone from the public has access to that simply by selecting uh, the link on our project website. So we will see other comments that folks Yes, absolutely. And in fact, um, you can piggyback on other comments. So if someone has already made a comment that you agree with, yeah. you can um, you know, give that a thumbs up and indicate your support. Or if you disagree with it, you can do that as well. Uh, we want to get a good sense of, from the entire community uh, what the feedback is on any of the mobility policies, active transportation policies, or any of the other policies and the many elements of the general plan. Great. That's helpful. Yeah. Um, is there any intention from staff to respond to comments that are not going to be incorporated within the general plan? Yes, we do. Uh, we do plan. Uh, currently, we are making some rounds with boards and commissions, including tonight. We're also going to Planning Design Commission, the Youth Commission, the Disabilities Advisory Commission, the Parks Community Enrichment Commission. Uh, we're going to try to go as many commissions as possible. Um, we're going to look at the feedback that we received from the commissions along with the community input, summarize the major themes of feedback that we're receiving, um, provide a overall uh, report when we bring the general plan back uh, for action with a summary of uh, what the recommendations were and whether staff uh, what staff recommendation is, whether we really support the change, re recommend a modification, or feel that the change is not appropriate at this time. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, Commissioner Hodel. Yeah, I think the cap goals and expectations are way, way too low. Six a goal of 6% for active transportation when the Mayor's Commission says 30% by 2030 and 40% by 2045. So that 6% is way too low. If your policies all are geared toward that, then that's kind of your cap. If you aim higher, you can get better results. But I think that active transportation um, and the other things that have been mentioned need to be elevated in importance. Thank you, Commissioner Hodel. Uh, that's good feedback, and it's uh, feedback that we're hearing from others as well. Um, I would uh, state that we do feel that our goals are aligned with the Mayor's Commission on Climate Change recommendations, um, in particular with prioritizing funding for active transportation. Uh, the Mayor's Commission on Climate Change report did not substantiate the greenhouse gas emission reductions, and there was not necessarily substantial evidence for the high targets. Um, as part of a climate action adaptation plan, we do have to provide substantial evidence that we are able to meet the targets that we're setting in the climate action and the general plan. Based on technical analysis, the data points, the substantial evidence, um, the data indicates that these are the realistic targets that we can hit. We'd love to see higher targets. We do update the general plan every five years, and we can revisit that as well. Um, and not all of our policies aren't necessarily geared towards that target. We are encouraging revitalization and identification of transit corridors, uh, areas around light rail stations, and we do hope that as um, development occurs that that will help support 
uh, and uh, increase the mode shift for, for more active transportation. Uh, Commissioner Banks. Yeah, first let me apologize for being late. I had a flat tire riding over here. <laughs> apologize. Also why I'm so hot. Um, thank you for the presentation. Um, I'm in agreement with uh, Commissioner Hodel and a number of other people here about these targets being a little bit too low. I had the opportunity to sit on the TAC for the active transportation uh, for the Mayor's Commission of Climate Change, and I know we had plenty of debate and discussion about higher targets, and I completely agree with Commissioner Hodel that if we don't aim high, we're not going to get to where we need to be, especially given that the landscape is regularly changing. I mean, some of the early feedback that you all did in terms of out, you know, community engagement was in 2019, prior to COVID, and, at the, and maybe not even at the peak of our high wildfire seasons. I can't remember that far back. Um, but it's that kind of quick change that I think we need to be paying attention to. And if we don't set high standards, it doesn't allow us to keep reaching for those higher goals given the changing landscape at all times. So I really encourage you to think uh, stronger about that. The other thing I'm curious about, and that is, and I, I haven't read the general plan in its entirety, but I can't remember, is in the part four where the implementation is, is there financial information there so we have ideas about how much it's going to cost to do some of the things? Because we all know that active transportation is one of the least expensive things that you all can do to encourage people to, um, A, ride their bike, walk, et cetera, for better walkability and bikeability, and that it will help us with congestion and help us with our climate goals. So I'm curious about the financial aspect of it. Yeah, I th thank you, Commissioner Banks, for that question. Uh, the general plan does include the implementation actions in Part 4, as you indicated, as well as the time frame for those actions and the responsible entities for carrying those out. Uh, with respect to the active transportation cost, the Climate Action and Adaptation Plan did look at uh, some analysis on what the cost would be uh, for some of these. So there is a technical report that we have that we're happy to make available on our website and share that has um, some estimate for some of these funding costs. And you're right, they are in the millions and millions of dollars, right? So they're very expensive, and that's part of the challenge as well with um, facilitating this mode change, which we would love to see it be much higher uh, as well. Thank you. One other thing, and then I'll uh, give up the floor. Uh, I want to encourage us to definitely agendize the discussion about this. So it sounded like, um, uh, Mr. Mendoza, that, that other commissions are putting forth maybe uh, a group uh, letter or set of recommendations to you. I think that would be good if we were doing that as yeah, well. I would Versus individual of us yeah. <laughs> giving you your that, feedback. That's not the case where there isn't a group um, action being taken at any of the commissions. Um, or a formal recommendation being taken, but certainly comments that are provided by any of the commissioners, we're happy to take a look at those. Yeah. I, I think because the we have such strong comments on the mobility section, yeah. I think it's the least that we can do just to help support the work that um, you all have been doing around the general plan. So I'm definitely in support of agendizing this for um, the next meeting, and I'll go work with the um, staff to do so. But, yeah. Um, Got more hands. People really are interested in the general plan, so glad you came to present. Wonderful. Uh, Commissioner Harris. Thank you so much for the presentation. I have um, some feedback and then a question. Um, so I believe you talked about reaching out to the um, local community, community associations in the next several months. I think that's fantastic. Um, I do want to bring your awareness that many of those uh, community associations do not meet in July and August or do not meet formally um, due to the holiday and due to the National Night Out, which is the first Tuesday in August, but many 
have that as their community meeting. So I would encourage you to think proactively about enough time um, and not to rely on those summer meetings and delay your feedback from them as needed so you can actually get that feedback. We ran into a similar issue on um, the transportation priorities plan last year and it was a, a huge issue for our communities not being able to engage. Um, my other question is if you could please expand on what has actually changed in this new general plan regarding that last mile. I'm absolutely in favor. I think this community is, is really speaking very loudly to this need. I'd like to know what's changed though because I have the um, North Sacramento Community Plan from 2015 which is linked in the current general plan but it dates to 2015 and it states that um, the plan will embody both the city, the state and city's vision of intensified development near transit and mixed use activity centers, which in turn will lead to increased walking and reduced automobile use. And, um, and I'm sure there's a mobility element for every area, but in the North Sacramento um, community plan, we have M1.1, which says the city shall carry out improvements for the streets that lack sidewalks and street lighting and are under heavy use by pedestrians or will not be improved through new development and assessment districts. And as we all know in this commission, there's a huge funding issue and usually it's only the items that um, meet public health and safety um, areas, um, the vision zero areas of our city that, that get funding for improvement. So I'd love to hear what's changed in this general plan. Sure, absolutely. Um, to the first part of your comment in regards to connecting with the community this summer, I, I would like to elaborate a little bit. We are aware of uh, some of the summer breaks for some of the communities uh, our neighborhood organizations are taking, but we do want to make a concerted effort to be able to engage with our hard-to-reach groups, folks that maybe aren't able to attend commission or council community, community meetings and um, summer events, pop-ups, festivals, um, are a really great opportunity to do that. So we've started to make an effort to attend these events and uh, create a, a friendly way to welcome input from all members of the community. So we're going to, for example, celebrate Oak Park, the Pride Festival, Filipina Fiesta, Farmers Markets as well over the summer to try to continue to engage with our community. I would say that uh, there is um, some significant changes in this general plan and Ryan highlighted um, about a dozen of them in a couple of the slides. Um, but um, overall, I would say that um, sustainability and equity has consistently been uh, the common theme that we heard from the community that are the two most important components to integrate as we plan for the next 20 years. Because this general plan is a long-term plan. It's intended to be general for the next 20 years. And so some of the ways that we're doing that is by addressing um, the housing issue in terms of the way our land use framework accommodates housing, encouraging duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes within our existing single-family residences. So we hope to certainly um, accommodate housing for um, all fam families and individuals from all, all walks of life and all backgrounds into some of the more affluent and resource-rich areas. Additionally, we're looking at prioritizing walking, biking, and transit over the single occupant automobile. Some of the ways that we're doing that is by identifying potential future roadways where we could do some road diets. And then in that way, uh, reallocate some of the space dedicated to vehicles 
for walking, biking, or transit. So that's a costly effort, but through this general plan, we can reach consensus direction from council on what those segments could be, uh, which we've identified in the general plan through some technical analysis and provide environmental clearance for those future projects that, and that in itself could be a significant time saving and a, a, save uh, a lot of money as well for future projects. We're also looking at um, encouraging um, uh, walking and biking and eliminating the conflicts between vehicles and pedestrians by looking at it, uh, prohibiting drive-through restaurants in areas where we want to see more walkability. And so that's a significant policy, pretty bold move. We're looking at prohibiting new gas stations or the expansion of gas stations unless they're providing uh, EV infrastructure uh, at a ratio of one charging station for any new three fuel pumps that would be added. Uh, so that's a significant change as well. So there are, uh, we have a new environmental justice element. So the city of Sacramento has never had an environmental justice element before. Uh, per state requirements, an EJ element is required. So we've identified based on um, uh, the account buyer screen, the disadvantaged communities, and where we can prioritize investments for the future uh, for most, our most underserved populations, our most vulnerable populations, where we can uh, promote re reduction of pollution exposure, incentivize um, healthy food access, access to physical activity, and really try to create some reinvestments in these communities. So uh, the general plan, uh, it covers a lot of topics. Um, but we did, um, through all of the community input that we received, the technical analysis, the work from our consultants, the feedback that we received from various boards and commissions, including this commission, which we've come to at every major milestone and phase in the project. Uh, we built a general plan that we do think incorporates sustainability and equity uh, throughout the general plan as we plan for the next 20 years. That's a wonderful list, and I'm in full support of it. Did I miss, though, my specific question, which was regarding last mile access to transit? Yeah, I, I think uh, we do have a supportive policy in there uh, in order to uh, help uh, encourage uh, the city to move in that direction. Uh, the general plan isn't intended to be a detailed um, uh, implementing um, mechanism that would outline specifically how that would be achieved necessarily, but we do have a high level goal, high level policy that encourages the city to move in that direction so that we are providing uh, that last mile support. So my question was, what has changed, if anything, on that policy? As I, because the language sounds almost exactly the same from 2015. It probably is very similar, uh, but it's not something that we've taken away. It's a policy I think that we want to continue to move forward. Uh, we've added for the committee. There's additional changes that you would recommend to that policy or additional uh, modifications. We would welcome that feedback during this public review period, and we'd be happy to look at it to see if there's any improvements that could be made to that policy. All right, thank you. Thank you. You're great on the spot. <laughs> it was a wonderful response, so I think it will be helpful for folks listening into the meeting as well. Uh, Commissioner Hopped. Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I very much appreciated Commissioner Gibson's ideas. Um, and I'd like to ask the city attorney if, if, if Mr. Gibson is willing to, if he could submit what he stated tonight on the record so it could be made available to commissioners and the public upon request. Uh, Jerry Hicks, from, I should have introduced myself. Jerry Hicks from the city attorney's office. Uh, sure, he could do that. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if he has them written down, if you know, he could submit them that way. So it, it sounds like you want to go over them in detail rather than having to go back and try to transcribe them yes yeah if he's yeah if he's, I think if he's got them written down obviously this this is recorded you could do that as well 
and I understand that it may be agendized for the next meeting as well, so that could be part of the package. So all yeah, those options I, are available to you. I could send over a Word document right now. Um, I'll just um, track down your email. Thank you. I'd very much appreciate it. Why don't you send it to staff, just to avoid uh, Brown Act problems, send it to staff, and staff can distribute it. Okay. Will do. Thank you. That's good. <laughs> uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dodge, and thank you, Mr. Mendoza, for the uh, presentation and the update to the commission. Uh, I just have a few comments quickly. Uh, first, um, acknowledging that this is a draft plan, I just want to continue all the residents who are watching uh, this meeting or in the um, chambers right now to make sure they give their feedback to this general plan so that the, the concerns uh, that you might have can be addressed. And again, that's sac 2040 gpuorg where you can uh, give that feedback and, and hold your own uh, mini uh, advocacy session uh, and all those great maps. Um, but I do want to personally um, share that I would hope that you would be able to convince the city to uh, continue to pursue tree planting in uh, road medians to help improve the tree canopy. As you stated, that is one of the goals of the update to the general plan. I'm actually quite frustrated with the lack of um, willingness on the path of some city staff members to place trees in the medians. I understand that it's difficult to get irrigation for tree starts in uh, medians. However, they are one of the better things that we can do long term to help uh, improve the tree canopy, to help beautify streets, and to help them make them more enjoyable for people. I think you'll find that um, where you'll see the least amount of uh, trees in medians is in our disadvantaged communities, and where you'll see more trees and um, thicker canopies is in those affluent communities. Um, lastly, uh, I just want to ask, will the general plan uh, in its final draft form return to this commission or any other commission before its 2024 adoption as an action item for us to vote on? Thank you, Commissioner Natales. The general plan is required to go to the Planning and Design Commission for recommendation to council when the council will take an action. We're happy to come before this commission as well to receive your feedback um, and incorporate that in our staff report that goes to uh, Planning and Design Commission and council as well. But to be clear, you said feedback. Yes. So receive a comment or to vote on it as an action item in 2024? Right, I'm trying to think that one through. Um, Remy, right? Yes. As Remy said, it, the, the requirement is that it goes through planning and, and design. Um, you know, let, let me think about that one. I think either way, uh, whether it, it, it is an, uh, a vote or whether you, you know, you provide your recommendations, they're going to reach, they're going to reach council one way or another. Uh, but you know, what, let me let me think about that, and uh, I'll talk to. Kurt, who usually uh, is the city attorney here, and come up with an answer for you. I'd appreciate that. I feel like uh, this evening we've demonstrated that there's a willingness on the commission to give that vote officially. So, And I think it actually may be premature at this time to do that because it is a draft plan. Um, and I, I do um, appreciate having the opportunity to all of us to share our comments and feedback um, through the online portal. But I do believe um, if the minimum requirement is to go to the Planning and Design Commission and, of course, the City Council. There's, I, don't, I personally don't know what would, uh, would prevent us from going beyond the minimum. And since active transportation is such a large component 
uh, some of our climate goals, I would hope that it would be uh, deemed appropriate to come back to this body prior to the 2024 final adoption for a vote. Thank I you. will absolutely yield to the uh, city attorney's office for the final say, but with our projects, we typically come to this group and ask for uh, forward a recommendation to council prior to the final plan going to council. Yeah, and I'm leaning in that direction because I think it, you know, it makes more sense to have this body speak as one when you're when you're you know making recommendations to council. So, like I said, you know, this this item is is on for receiving fire comment and not for action but I, I well let me say I I think yes you could vote on this when it comes back to the Commission uh, you know as long as it's agendized for a vote yeah thank you sure. thank you okay recognizing now at 651 we still have two more items by Commissioner Banks this is important um, so thank you. I have one more question. I apologize for not getting it into the last round. And it is a simple one. You were talking about gathering all this information from everybody, community members, commissions, public at large, et cetera. There are many times when public engagement happens and it's all over the place and it almost needs a threshold of, or like a nexus, if you will, of idea to push it into a plan so that it finally it does, the changes do get made. I'm curious what that process is for you all because there will be some information that I think that comes from the community that is really clear and there's some other stuff that might be sort of fuzzy. I'm curious what that threshold might be that the actual changes get made into the, into the plan for the draft to the final. Sure, uh, thank you Commissioner Banks. Um, I think uh, any of the feedback that we receive um, it's going to be considered and looked at closely. And if there's a good uh, justification for making a change, um, you know, we'll certainly look at it. And if it makes sense, it's consistent with the vision that was laid out with the plan, consistent with the key strategies that were adopted by council, consistent with the uh, adopted land use map, proposed road changes, and key strategies, and the direction that was provided by council um, in preparation of this general plan. I think it would make sense to incorporate that. So that's something we'll be looking at. I'm starting to hear sort of a rubric of criteria that you would create to see whether or not something comes forward or a number of things that come forward uh, that might get into the final plan that's not currently in the draft plan. Is that correct? Uh, well, the, uh, the rubric I was presented was sort of our framework for building the plan um, and over a multi-year process. And now we're in the final stage. We've incorporated uh, a lot of the feedback that we have received um, in each of the key phases where we did receive a lot of community input, we did conduct a scientific survey, we have received input from boards and commissions through each of the key steps in developing this plan. And so now at this final stage, uh, I think we want to confirm if we got it right. Um, if there's any red flags, if we missed anything, we'd love to welcome that feedback and take a look at things closely based on the feedback that we receive. Okay, not quite getting it, but that's okay. Uh, Commissioner Hodel. A uh, quick question. You said that the SAC2040GPU.org closes, uh, I guess the feedback window closes in August. Is there a firm date of August something? Uh, we're looking towards the end of August, at the end of August. But you have no firm end date? The, the end of the month. <laughs> okay. That might be an issue for us because we don't meet in July. So if we had gen well, 
Yeah, so it would maybe, we would, if there's a possibility of it moving to September or something, because we, if we agendize it for the August meeting and then vote on it, and then you're done with your process already. By then, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, um, Chair Westbrook, in August, we would not be able to come back with any changes to the plan okay. because the community uh, comment period had not been closed yet. We okay. will not have had an opportunity to review all of the feedback yet. So, um, you know, what we have now is what will be available then okay. um, until the public review period is closed and we've had time to complete our review of all the feedback. Um, at that time, then we'll incorporate um, additional review and changes to the general plan. Commissioner Harris. I'm concerned just for our public of not having an official date. So if we could please get a date officialized and publicized so people know when they can submit comments. I think that's this is a hot issue for many people in our community. Um, and I'd like to see that date um, made official and shared as soon as possible with this body. Sounds good. Thanks, Commissioner. We'll certainly update our, our website um, as necessary. Commissioner Gibson. Um, so I wasn't aware that we were not having a meeting next month um, for a process to discuss whether mine or others are either voted up or down on. I just want to express my concern that the council won't be able to see what this body agrees on either unanimously or as a majority um, for a list of I guess, formal comments as opposed to recommendations if they get agenda. I just want to express that concern. Commissioner, I think there's still plenty of time. Uh, we will not be going to city council until 2024. So uh, there is still a lot of time uh, that we're going to take in reviewing all of the feedback that we receive from the community. And we don't anticipate going to council until next year. So preparing the final plan will still take us some time in the fall and early winter before uh, we're able to do that. Um, but aren't you presenting the draft uh, next month at council? Yes, for discussion as well, for review and comment. Okay, thank you. Vice Chair Granville. Wow, it automatically unmuted. Awesome. Um, thanks, Chair. Uh, and Rosanna. Um, yeah, it sounds like uh, we could have a discussion in August uh, and submit our comments as a body uh, before the close of the position. Um, in or individually uh, before the close of of the comment period and then receive it and vote on it uh, later on in the year that is that correct uh, Commissioner Granville um, I would say uh, to clarify so we have a draft plan now uh, that you've seen um, we're happy to take the comments now um, as well consider them with all of the feedback that we're going to receive from the community um, and then modify the plan as we prepare the final plan for adoption. And at that time, be able to come to the commission and share with you the changes that are being made to the plan based on your feedback, feedback comments that we receive from the entire community. Um, if it would, uh, otherwise, um, before, before that time frame, you would just be seeing the same plan that's before you now. Yeah. All right, well, thank you so much, Remy. Um, really appreciate you walking us through this presentation today and taking all of our questions um, this evening. Um, I think if there is no additional hands, we are going to move on to the next item. Um, so yeah, this was receive and file, so no vote as we've thoroughly discussed. Is <laughs> that taking place tonight? Um, but I really appreciate both your presentations and um, yeah, we will feel yeah, Chair Westbrook, Commissioners, thank you for the discussion and for your wonderful feedback, appreciate it.
Thank you so much. Okay. Our next item is item four, Sacramento River Parkway Project. Uh, this is also for receiving comment. Is there a staff presentation? Hello, that's me. <laughs> and clicker is here. Okay. All right. Uh, I'd like to thank the commission for allowing me to come and share some information about this project. Um, this is regarding the Sacramento River Parkway project, and I'm Megan Johnson. I'm a senior engineer with the city's public works department, and I'm the city's project manager for this project. Oh. All right, so as Californians, we are absolutely blessed with an abundance of beautiful natural resources, whether it's our beaches, lakes, or rivers. And these have been enjoyed by residents and visitors alike since the first people arrived here. As increasing urbanization began to cut off public access to our rivers and beaches, a series of acts were taken to ensure continued public access to California's waterways. First, there was a voter initiative in 1972, which led to the creation of the California Coastal Commission and the Coastal Act which famously preserves the right for public access to our coastline. And then the Subdivision Map Act required new development subdivisions adjacent to public waterways to include, include a dedication for public access next to the rivers or streams. And the reason for all of these acts is it's inherent that trails and access to natural resources improve mental and physical health, connect communities, and provide recreational and mobility benefits. So this project is located in the Pocket Greenhaven neighborhood, which was first settled by the Portuguese immigrants back in the 1850s. The Pocket was later officially annexed into the city in 1959, and following annexation into the city, Early residential and commercial development that occurred in the 60s occurred mainly along the north side of the pocket. Then, following construction of Interstate 5 and the connection of Pocket Road and Riverside Boulevard in the mid-70s, there was an increase in development in the pocket. As the Subdivision Act had already changed California code by this point, these new developments included public access easements next to the river. So this is an overview of the planning that's occurred for the Sacramento River Parkway Trail Project. In the 70s, as new subdivision developments were including dedications adjacent to the river for public access, the Sacramento River Parkway Master Plan established an official vision for a recreational trail which would connect Freeport in the south up to the confluence of the American River near downtown. Then not a lot happened for a while until we got to 1997 when an update of the plan accounted for the changing land uses within the pocket that had occurred since 1975, and it confirmed the vision for a levee top trail. In 2012, Council then adopted an impl implementation program for the American and Sacramento River Parkway plans, which identified actions that would ultimately lead to a 25-mile interconnected river trail system. So this shows a map from the 2012 implementation plan, 
which shows the vision for that ultimate interconnected trail system along the American and Sacramento rivers. Along the Sacramento River, following the adoption of the master plan in 1975, the city started working away towards that vision. Completing this Sacramento River Parkway plan in the project will close the largest remaining gap along the Sacramento River. So now to review the timeline of this engineering project. In 2015, we started taking concrete steps towards implementation of the project. Our first steps were small, attempting to tackle it in short segments using local funds. First, we started working on a locally funded project between Garsha Bend Park and, and, uh, Arab and Pocket Canal. Then, in 2017, Council gave direction to develop a locally funded project that would extend that work from Pocket Canal up to Arabella Way. And these efforts made progress. However, as federal and state grant programs began to prioritize significant amounts of uh, funding for bike and pedestrian facilities, we saw an opportunity to leverage our local funds to bring in more federal and state funds, which lets us stretch our limited local dollars a lot farther. So in 2021, we were awarded federal funds for the environmental clearance and preliminary engineering for the full stretch in the pocket, and we kicked this effort off officially in 2022. So we did lose some momentum with this change in strategy, but it allows us to have a cohesive engagement, planning, and design process rather than just piecemealing the segments together. So now to discuss our current project. This map shows our project location, which is in the Pocket Greenhaven neighborhood of Sacramento. The proposed path will run atop the existing east levee of the Sacramento River from Garsha Bend Park in the south up to Zacharias Park in the north. The proposed path will connect to existing bike and pedestrian paths on the levee running south of Garsha Bend Park and north of Zacharias Park. And it will connect to the Pocket Canal trail system running through the center of the community. Now, in addition to building the, um, the new path on top of the levee, the project is also going to provide for new access ramps for people to access it. So we're going to be looking to identify, design, and construct about five to six new neighborhood access ramps as part of this project. So here's an overview of where we're at with this process. We're still in the early phases. We're working through the preliminary engineering and environmental clearance phase. For the environmental clearance phase, we'll be clearing it through CEQA, or the California Environmental Quality Act, as we do for all of our projects. And because we have federal funds on this project, we'll also be getting NEPA clearance through the National Environmental Policy Act. Um, much of the engineering aspect of this job is going to be pretty straightforward when it comes down to it. Designing a paved path on top of a levee is not rocket science. But the bulk of the work is going to be centered around the selection of those access ramps. And then as part of this phase, we'll, we have been and will continue to be doing public engagement. So as I mentioned, a big effort has centered around identifying where those new neighborhood access ramps would be. There are already a lot of access ramps along the levee, whether they're for flood control purposes or for maintenance purposes or informal footpaths that have just developed over time as people try to get to the levee. 
Almost none of these are universally accessible. Our goal is to provide ADA accessible ramps for community use. So we started off by reviewing all of these potential locations um, and we looked at potential issues like right-of-way, overall feasibility, impacts to trees, visibility from the street. There were a bunch of things we looked at and then we identified our focus down to the top eight strongest contenders as shown here. Um, of note, you may notice that Garsha Bend Park has a yellow star. The reason for that is because there's an existing ADA compliant ramp there, so we won't be reconstructing that, but it does exist to provide access for residents. So from there, um, we developed recommendations for the neighborhood ramp locations as shown here. So these were identified to maximize the amount of residents who would be able to have low stress routes by bike or by foot to get to these new neighborhood um, access ramps. We were looking to provide a uniform spread of access points across the pocket so that we don't have some clustered together and then big gaps where there's no access. And then we also modified them to reflect public feedback. And then based on public feedback, we added another location. Sleepy River Way has a well-used informal access path to the existing bike trail, but it isn't paved, nor is it ADA compliant. And so we'll be formalizing this access ramp as part of the project to really ensure that uniform access throughout the community. So as I mentioned, um, as we were evaluating the low stress access options for bikes and pedestrians, we took a close look at the routes that have existing traffic controls in place. So that could include stop signs, uh, signals, rectangular rapid flashing beacons, or um, pedestrian overcrossings. And as we were considering these low stress routes, it was immediately obvious that Pocket Road slash Riverside Boulevard serves as a significant barrier for folks who live on the interior of the pocket to access the levee. And this was confirmed as part of the Pocket, Gre pocket Green Haven Neighborhood Transportation Study, which you guys heard about at, at the last session. And this study showed that residents are concerned about speeding drivers along Pocket Road and they would like to have more comfortable crossing locations. So the transportation study made recommendations for the intersection crossing treatments, which have been incorporated into the project where they're in the vicinity of the selected access point ramps. Now you may have noticed that there are two potential access ramps that are really close together. And you just heard me say that I didn't want to have them clustered. So the reason for that is because we're still actually working through the logistics on how to make a good feasible connection between the Sacramento River Parkway Trail on the levee and the pocket canal system. For years, this connection was anticipated to occur using the access road of the city-owned Sump Station Number 132, which is conveniently directly across the street from the Pocket Canal Trails. So we would run the ramp through there along the access road, put in a pedestrian signal, and the connection is flawless. This shows the access road in question, along with some of the early concepts for the trail connection. And this is kind of um, my quick little rendering of what that would look like. 
However, as we've been working through the plans and coordinating with the Department of Utilities, DOU has expressed some concerns with the trail impeding their ability to bring in large, heavy equipment to maintain their sump station. They have to be, be able to maneuver around big cranes and other equipment, which requires pretty much the full width of the, that existing access road. In addition, the original concepts had provided a long ramp traversing the side of the levee to provide a comfortable slope for bicyclists and pedestrians. And this ramp crosses the station's outfall pipes. DOU has some concerns about the longevity of this ramp as they need to be able to maintain um, and replace these access or these outfall pipes. So we're looking at options on how to um, work around the constraints that we have with making sure that the sump station can operate as it needs to. And one of the options that we're evaluating is to use the landscape strip that's adjacent to that access driveway on the north side of the canal. So in this photo, the landscape strip looks super wide um, based on the angle that I took it at, but it does vary in width. And when taking into account the space needed for retaining walls to make up the elevation differences um, and fencing, it's likely that the path would need to be narrower than what we would ideally want and what we would have done with the original vision. In addition, because we're not benefiting from that long run of the um, alignment of the ramp to make up the elevation difference as we climb up the levee, we may be needing to look at steeper slopes. So they would still be ADA compliant, of course, but we might need to look at including landings and hand railing and things like that to make up that grade difference. Other potential elements that we'll be taking into account is uh, there, there will be more tree removals um, with this alignment, which has, you know, we're the city of trees. We don't like to take out trees, and these residents probably like the shade for their backyard. Uh, so we'll be taking that into account, as well as the costs of walls and fencing. But this location does offer really great connections to the pocket canal trails. Another option we're looking into is along the undeveloped south side of the canal. Now, due to some space constraints, this would also potentially need to be a narrower path than what we would ideally use. But it does have a flat shelf for a path, and it has nice shade. Similar to the north side option, the ramp ascent up the slope would likely be shorter, um, requiring the, uh, the steeper ADA slopes with landings and handrails. And the alignment would require a somewhat costly relocation of a smud transformer. Um, but this alignment is preferred by DOU if we're going to be using their location um, because it's not near heavy equipment operations. Um, this alignment would still be able to provide a direct connection to the pocket canal trails that run on the south side of the levee. So we would just put in the pedestrian signal there, and it would be an easy connection. A third option that we're looking into is to place the access ramp in the neighborhood that's north of the sump station on Country River Way. At this location, there's a lot more available space, and the location obviously would eliminate the issue of having to navigate around big, heavy sump station equipment. Um, and it would allow for a wider path with gentler slopes. However, it would be an indirect connection to the pocket canal, um, the pocket canal trails. So in order to make a reasonable connection, 
we would likely be looking at creating an opening in the raised median running through the street, putting in a pedestrian signal, and then running a two-way cycle track down, um, down Pocket Road to get to the trails. So we're in the process of evaluating these options in depth, and ultimately it'll take into account a couple different factors, like over the overall sump station operations, the costs associated with these changes, and significantly the quality of the bike pedestrian ramp and the connections that it will make. This decision will be made at a level much higher than me as staff, um, but it will include um, it will include input from Department of Utilities, Public Works, and city leadership. So I am very interested in hearing from this group um, after the presentation about the prioritization of active transportation benefits with regards to the comfort of the ramp facility um, in terms of width and slopes and the benefit of a direct connection to the pocket canal trail system. One other aspect I'd like to highlight about this project is the connection it will make beyond the borders of the pocket community. First, at the southernmost limits of the existing bike path, bicyclists and pedestrians will be able to connect to the Del Rio Trail, which is a massive trail project that's currently under construction. And then the Sacramento River Parkway, with this new extension, um, will have a connection, again, to the south, to the um, Sacramento, South Sacramento Parkway West project. Um, this project, with a very wordy name, is going to close the gap between um, two different bike trail segments, and it will be providing access and connections to the Meadowview community. And this is meaningful because although Sacramento is blessed with our river resources, the more built-out trail network is up towards the American River Parkways, which is not at all near our South Sacramento residents. And so as we build out the, South Sac as we build out the Sacramento River Parkway, we'll be opening up convenient access to natural resources to our Meadowview and South Sacramento communities. So another aspect of the project delivery process that we'll be working through is right-of-way. As I described earlier, developments built after the Subdivision Map Act in the 70s dedicated public access easements adjacent to the river. And I've heard from a lot of these residents who have been promised the build-out of the trail for over 40 years, and they are very excited for us to finally deliver on the parkway. However, homes built on the north side of the community um, before the early 70s often do not include public access easements adjacent to the river. They're privately owned to the water, and they provide flood control easements for our flood agencies. So this project is going to require the purchasing of easements for public access along the future trail. And many of these residents are apprehensive and concerned about the changes that this project will be with introducing public access behind their backyards where currently there is none. To address these concerns, we're developing a safety plan. We've partnered with the park rangers, SAC PD, the fire department, the youth parks and community engagement department, public works, and our council office. And we're developing a safety plan to identify feasible and fundable strategies that can be implemented to promote public safety along the trail. So this plan is still evolving, but at this moment in time, anticipated safety elements include 
police observation devices, or pods, at all formal and informal access points, um, including lighting at access points, posting hours consistent with parks, so sunrise to sunset, overnight parking restrictions near access points, and we're also looking at the potential to participate in the bike patrol program. Um, this is a program that's affiliated with the National Ski Patrol and has been successfully implemented with the American River Bike Patrol. And so with this, participants are trained to provide assistance with equipment, first aid, and then they also act as eyes on the trail. So now to touch on funding and phasing. While this project is being environmentally cleared and designed as a whole, we've split it into segments for funding flexibility for construction and right-of-way. So segment one runs from Garsha Bend Park to the south up to Audubon Circle. Our design and right-of-way funds, um, our design and right-of-way phase for fa segment one was fully funded when we kicked off this project and we recently were awarded um, grant funds through the Sacramento Area Council of Governments for uh, the construction of this phase. Segment two runs from Audubon Circle up to Zacharias Park, and that is also fully funded through design. Um, with the recent SACOG awards, we were given funding to start the right-of-way process for segment two, and then the plan is the next time the flexible funding rounds come out through um, SACOG, we will then apply for the right-of-way funds and construction funds to finish out the project. And this shows a high-level overview of the process and timeline. Um, we kicked off the preliminary engineering and environmental clearance phase in 2022, and we're currently working, as I mentioned, to confirm the neighborhood access ramp locations during summer 2023. This will allow us to finish up our environmental process and our preliminary engineering phase in early 2024. And at that point, we'll kick off the final design, permitting, and right-of-way phases. So we're anticipating these phases to take somewhere between 18 to 24 months. And with this rough timeline, we're looking at construction in 25 or 2025 or 2026, depending on how those dates end up working out. So with that, um, I, I am open to any questions and welcome feedback. Thank you so much, Megan. Uh, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Apologies about that. Um, no, I do not have any to speak on this item. Thank you. Okay, no hands on Zoom. No hands on Zoom. Great. Okay. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? And I see a hand from Commissioner Harris. Thank you so much for the presentation. It was outstanding. Um, it's very exciting to see our city benefit from these um, dedicated bikeways through beautiful areas. Um, and I know that in the transportation priorities plan, this was identified as a purple high priority plan. If you could talk a little bit about how it reached that high priority ranking, because I also know that this was an area of a lot of controversy um, and was one of the areas with the most varying responses as far as whether it was a priority or not. You did speak a little bit to the controversy and, and issues with safety I appreciate, but I think it'd be helpful to understand how this project was prioritized in the first place. Thank you. 
Uh, thank you for the question, and that's a great question. Um, I was not involved with the transportation priorities plan, so I can't speak to the specifics on how that um, ranking evolved. Um, but I can say that while it is controversial, it's probably one of the projects that I've worked on that has the most people um, enthusiastically pushing for it. And so there is um, a big variation in perception towards the project, but there is a lot of excitement around it. And I think that that helped influence, especially also, you know, separate from the community itself, it has larger regional benefits. Um, you know, it's kind of bigger than just a trail for the pocket community. Um, you know, it benefits the South Sacramento neighborhood. It's also part of the, uh, let me see if I can remember the title of it, the Great California Delta Trail System. Um, and so not only does it have Sacramento benefits, it has much larger regional benefits as well. And so that, without being involved with the TPP ranking, that may have influenced its position. Commissioner Banks. Yes, thank you. Great presentation. Thank you so much. Really excited about this project. I was doing quick math. It sounds like from the very beginning, inception of this in 1975, 50 years later, we may see the end of this project where we all can enjoy it. That's crazy, but I still am really happy that it'll be in our lifetime. <laughs> um, couple things. One is, it's uh, one thing I didn't hear you mention that I think might be really helpful is some signage and wayfinding. And I didn't hear that, but it, hopefully it's in the works. If it's not, please make sure that that's added in there. I spent a lot of time on that levy going down to Freeport and other areas for that great Delta larger regional project, which I am really excited about. So I think that would be really great. And I just have one other question about it. You know, we've... Um, because of um, Leslie and the work that City um, Public Works has been doing on the pocket, um, and we know that Riverside Drive and um, Pocket Drive are not going to get uh, bike lanes on them, is the idea to help move cyclists and pedestrians and use this trail as the safest way to get into town? Because otherwise, it's, it's a bummer because we don't have, you know, the two we have two lanes both ways uh, with a lot of fast-moving traffic, even though that that project is going to get slowed down with some treatments. You've been working on that really hard, I know, Les. I'm just curious about um, the idea of how those two projects are uh, in sync with each other or at odds with each other or how they complement each other. May I weigh in one moment? <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Um, Commissioner Banks, the, that pocket Riverside will have bike lanes, um, buffered bike lanes and um, reduction in width of the travel lanes and some other features for traffic calming. It was the road diets that will not be featured diets, in the, yeah. uh, in I the missed, pocket plan. I missed last month's uh, meeting, so thank you for that clarification. Appreciate it. Anyway, how, are the, how do they um, sync up? So before I forget the first part of your question with regards to the wayfinding, that is something that's really important for the project. It wasn't highlighted here, but as we were developing the project, especially considering the benefits that it has for both residents within the pocket, but also in Meadowview, South Sacramento, um, we wrote into our grant that we would be including wayfinding so that people could find this new beautiful amenity. So I wanted to touch on that. And then with regards to... Um, 
how the Sacramento River Parkway project plays nicely with the Pocket Greenhaven Neighborhood Transportation Study. Um, Leslie and I have been working together. I've been following the progress of the Neighborhood Transportation Study. And um, we'll be, like I mentioned, implementing components that are near the access points to really make sure that it's safe for folks to get to those access points. And with regards to your, um, your question about whether this is viewed as a potential alternate route to Riverside, I think that um, it, especially when the, the trail gets fully developed out, um, the Riverside Boulevard segment is on the high injury network. I know that it's very uncomfortable for cyclists. And so I have heard from many folks that they are looking forward to this as an alternate route. Thank you. And may I add in the pocket plan, um, at each of the crossings that facilitate a connection to this, this path, um, we are recommending a um, pedestrian crossing signal um, rather than just um, a, a basic crossing. Um, so there will be enhanced crossings with bull bouts and islands wherever possible. Um, and also, we have language in that plan. We used this draft um, um, plan of um, trail um, access points, but if those change drastically, mm -hmm. we included language in the plan that we um, should move those um, crossings accordingly. That's great. I love that you guys have collaborated and are they're both in sync. That's really important. Thanks. Uh, Commissioner Brazel. Thank you very much for the presentation and really excited about the plan. Um, I just had a quick question about the security that you mentioned at some of the pods. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that I had conceived the, the temporary pods that the police department moves around. Is that what you're referring to, or is it more permanent? So these would be permanent. They uh, wouldn't be moved. You know, they're there for, you know, to provide long-term uh, security. So I haven't seen what the ultimate configuration would look like, but the intention is for them to be permanent. And our, um, I'll give a shout-out to our council office. They've been working really hard to put funding aside to make sure that these can happen and um, to get the resources towards it. Mr. Gonzalez. Thank you, Megan, for the great presentation. I appreciate it. And I actually also have a question about the security plan. And I just want to point out and comment that um, people who drive cars commit uh, crimes every single day. I, well, I appreciate the forward nature of, of, of maybe trying to address some of the concerns that some of the property owners who are more vocal than others have about people using trails. I believe the, um, the actual data would prove that paved trails are much more safer than unpaved trails and unused trails, uh, where we do see a lot of activities that we would probably not want to see in a neighborhood, but that paved and well-used trails seem to be much more safer than mm -hmm. those are not. So um, while I appreciate the abundance of caution going into the safety plan, I also want to just note that um, I don't want to dissuade people from feeling like their civil li liberties may be violated or, or infringed upon by having to have their face recorded every time they get on the trail. It's not the same burden for every time you use the road in a motor vehicle, and I don't think that's equitable. Um, but I'm sure that over time, uh, once the trail is implemented and found to be safe 99% of the time for most users, that um, some of those concerns will go away anyways. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Gonzalez. I appreciate you, you bringing that forward. Yeah, I was curious if we take the same approach for other sections of the trailer. This is in direct response to the 
um, the, the homeowners in that particular section? The plan is in acknowledgement and response of the direct concerns of the residents. Um, you know, this is a big change for them. Right now, there is no public access behind their homes. Um, this trail is going to be very close to their homes. And so um, sometimes the change in condition can be um, hard. And so we're being responsive um, where we can. And then as the trail is in place over time, I'm sure that it will be assessed. Great, thank you. Could, is that something that could potentially be documented within the plan of like, you know, after X amount of years, we'll reassess whether or not we still need to have this high level of surveillance on the trail? I can discuss it with the safety team. Okay, I think that would, that would be really helpful. Thank you. Um, but I, I think your main ask to us as a commission were those three different Yes, um, <laughs> Yes, thank you for reminding yeah. me. So that is the big um, challenge that we're working through right now to make decisions um, because there's trade-offs with all of those options. And so as staff, you know, I can engineer things, but the benefit from a, you know, wide, gentle trail is obviously nice, the ramp coming down, but the direct connection is nice. And we'll be kind of working through the process to figure out which one of those is most important. And so I would love, thank you, to hear some feedback on that. Yeah, maybe, uh, do you have a s slide that shows yes. the three of them side by side? Or maybe we could talk. I um, did overlay. Of course you did. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks. This one. Um, it's not to scale. I drew it in. Oh, hold on. I did it on my computer and not here. Okay. Just a moment. This one. Okay. And I see a hand from Commissioner Banks. Right side itself. One, two, three, two, correct. I'm less interested in seeing the county riverway because that's very clunky to add a light, which is very expensive, and then add that, you know, protected bikeway right there and then make that, you know, um, right-hand turn or left-hand turn onto the trail. So I like that more direct route. And I know that the ADA will be a little bit steeper, but I think, as you say, with railings and um, landing spaces to get a breath and whatever you need and then to be able to maybe make your way up to the top of the levee will take care of that. Yeah, so it'll basically function more like a pedestrian ramp yeah. than a like sweeping bike ramp, but there's a direct connection with that option. Yeah. So was that the South Side Canal in particular? So both the South Side Canal and the North Side Canal would um, provide that direct connection option. Yeah, there was there was one where you mentioned there was a removal of trees. Could you remind us which? Yes. So let me go up. So the North Side. Oh, I keep doing the wrong one. Hold on. Okay. So the. Path that's in the landscape area on the north side. Um, from this photo, if you look down, you can see um, some trees that are along the fence line. Um, there's also a few behind where I was standing when I took this photo. And so most likely, as we're trying to you know, put in walls um, to keep us out of the access path, 
um, we would probably end up needing to remove some trees. And this will get confirmed. You know, we're still working through the analysis of it. Um, so we'll confirm whether that's necessary, but our spidey census says that that's the case. Uh, Commissioner Hopped. Let me just say briefly, it, it doesn't make much difference to me whether it's the north or south side of the sump, but that's definitely preferable okay. to having to go through the neighborhood. It provides a direct connection to the Pocket Canal Parkway, and I think that's going to be much safer for users than having to jog over um, to get onto a city street um, and then finally get to the uh, ramp. And, and I, I do trust that there's some, there, there's probably some consideration being given to uh, access for um, flood fighting as well, correct? One of the benefits of having to push the trail over is it really simplifies that because we're going to leave the access driveway untouched and there's a access ramp that um, DOU's vehicles and flood vehicles take to get up to the levee and so we would be completely avoiding that ramp. So it would operate exactly as it does now. And I know over the years the Corps of Engineers has complained that there is inadequate access to the levee in the pocket. And so to some extent this is going to help address that mm -hmm. and ensure that there is um, access for flood fighting and maintenance. Mm -hmm. Well, you're a pocket Greenhaven expert, so <laughs> I really appreciate your, your input on this matter. Um, I don't see any additional commissioners' hands. Do folks, any other preferences that you want to share with Megan this evening? Okay. Oh, Commissioner Hodel. I, I agree with Jim Haupt help, um, about the, the north and south of the sump station. I think that's your better choice. Great. Thank you. Commissioner Harris. I just wanted to say that I appreciated the challenge of working around the flood fighting facilities and the different needs there. Um, those are not, um, not minimal challenges and design criteria to work on. So I just want to acknowledge um, your hard work to come up with a bunch of solutions and present them here. Thank you. Thank you. I think I'm also in agreement with the folks on the team here. So. Um, Either side of the, the sump, I think, would be the most ideal. I was a little concerned at first with the removal of trees. We've talked about that a lot um, as a commission, how important it is to maintain our tree canopy. Um, that being said, I really think the connection to the Pocket Canal Trail uh, will be more ideal for, for folks who are going to want to ride um, on this path. So that would be my recommendation. Whatever is less trouble for you, though. <laughs> so I guess as you continue to, to meet with um, uh, DWR? Is it, uh, DOU. Yeah. DOU, okay, yeah. Move from there. Okay, well, thank you so much. Um, this item was just for receive and file, so. And I'll be happy to return. You know, we're going to have a lot of decisions that are being made, and so I'm happy to return at a later date to bring you up to speed again. That'd be wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay. So our last item of the evening is item five, Stone Beatland Plan Unit Development, amendments to the Bicycle Master Plan. And we are being asked to pass a motion tonight. So, um, and is there a staff presentation? Yes, there is. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening, Chair. Good evening, Commission. 
It's a pleasure to be before you. My name is Marcus Adams. I'm the senior planner for the South Geographic area of Sacramento. So it's uh, definitely a pleasure we don't get here often. So looking forward to uh, hearing your comments. I have a very brief presentation, especially compared to the last two. So uh, hopefully this will go, <laughs> go rapidly. <laughs> um, so you know here, uh, Stone Beetland, we're asking for an amendment to the city's bicycle master plan. And it's based on this project here. So I'll give a few highlights on that. Start out here with the um, mobility framework. There's been a lot of discussion on that tonight, and you all are experts on this, but this is just an overview where you can see just how the, how the uh, project itself will connect to some of the highlights there, 24th Street, the extension going to the north, and going to the south, Delta Shore Circle South, um, then going east towards uh, CRB, Consumers River Boulevard, and then to the west, to the aforementioned, uh, what my colleague was just speaking to, Pocket Greenhaven. Here we're seeing the bicycle facilities plan. Um, this highlights there the class one path and in the class two bike lanes. Once again, you're seeing both east-west and north-south connections. And uh, the good thing about this is you see that there is a control. They'll lead to the controlled uh, intersections there with the lights. So obviously for those pedestrians and bicyclists, um, that's very helpful. I want to provide just an overview land use summary here of Stone Beetland. You can see just the, uh, the land uses. The high intensity uses, the multifamily, are there to the east. There's the uh, light rail station there that's uh, active now. And then as you progress towards the west, you get towards the lower densities. So another highlight of this project is what we consider a transit priority project. And what that means then is that um, they get to have, if they meet certain density requirements, certain uh, amount of units, in this case there's 1,100 units, 1,108 to be exact. Then also there's some, uh, there's an affordability component. What they then get from that is they get to have a streamlined CEQA process, what's called the Sustainable Communities Environmental Assessment. Um, and so that's uh, the good thing also about that is it facilitates then such things as being consistent with the active transportation and having things as these bike facilities, pedestrian paths. So here I want to give an overview of the current uh, bike master plan network and then sort of highlight where you can see where what we're really excited about here is the connection to the neighborhoods that's been spoken about quite often tonight, the Detroit neighborhood um, there to the north. And then uh, Meadowview, as you continue going further north, the city's 102-acre site is adjacent to this to the north as well, and then the existing community down at Delta Shores. So this will definitely help give that connectivity towards just the rest of the city, definitely to the, uh, to the pocket green area, area and the, um, the, the levee there. So I know that uh, we've been hearing some comments from the community, how exciting that is. They've been asking, will this connect to the levee? And, you know, obviously not directly, but to some of the plan, some of the routes that are existing and uh, proposed. So with that, like I said, it was a brief overview. We do have the, uh, the uh, developer who, for first Stone Beeland, he's here in the audience tonight. If there's any questions that I might not be able to answer, or if you have something related to Stone Beeland, he can address those. And once again, I can also answer any questions as far as planning's role in this. But we were, are asking that you take action, to, uh, recommend to the city council that they amend the proposed amendments to the uh, city's bicycle master plan. Um, some next steps. 
We're on target to go to Planning Commission July 27th and then City Council August 29th. So it's a tight timeline, but um, Nick and his team have been very helpful keeping uh, keep staying on track, so we hope to make those dates. With that, like I said, available for questions and uh, once again for your action on the item. Um, clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. Yes, we have one speaker and none on Zoom. Can I please have Dan? Good evening, Dan Allison, District 4. Um, I understand that this is an amendment to the Bicycle Master Plan, but I feel like I need to say some things about active transportation as it relates to this development. Um, one is the streets are too wide. They're 41 to 69 feet. That's far too wide. It encourages motor vehicle speeding and makes it less safe for walkers and bicyclists. The sidewalks look to be five feet throughout, which meets standards, but certainly doesn't encourage people to walk. Um, the sidewalks look to be all attached. Um, in other words, no sidewalk buffer, therefore no trees um, along the street. There may be some detached sidewalks on some of the streets. It's hard to tell from the diagram, but if there are there, they're very narrow, not wide enough to support trees. So again, we see a place where any shade provided to the sidewalk in the street will be dependent on uh, private property owners and the HOA, not on the city and not on the community. And lastly, I was walking on Kasumnas River Boulevard this morning, and I have to say class two bike lanes are completely unacceptable for a street like that. It is high speed, high volume, and the people who live in this future neighborhood won't be able to get out of their neighborhood. They won't be able to go to Kasumnas River College, to Delta Shores, because they won't feel safe using class two bike lanes on a road like Kasumnas River Boulevard. So that needs to be modified as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this item? And uh, Commissioner Harris. Old hand, got it. No worries. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. Um, first of all, I want to thank um, city staff and also CEQA streamlining. Back of the napkin calculations, roughly 10 units per acre with uh, high density near transit. These are exactly the type of projects I'm happy to see come to our community. Um, when it comes to the transit options, I do have to echo the public commenter about um, having class two bike trails on those arterials. Um, in my neighborhood off of El Camino Boulevard in South Natomas, we have some of those. I never see a biker on because um, that design is dangerous. However, on the areas off of the class two, or off of Consumers Boulevard, I do see that there's also class two. Um, I guess this is more of a comment than a, than a question, but I, I would recommend um, having at the very least flex posts or some kind of temporary bollards right there to allow people to have um, at least some traffic calming there. That should be able to actually increase our modal shift. Um, it's my strong view that class two bike trails um, do not promote modal shifts, except for some of our uh, most aggressive bikers, um, because uh, paint is not protection. Um, that's kind of my view on these things. But again, I think overall this project next to transit is definitely something exciting to see for our community. 
Commissioner Hodel? Um, yes, under, um, thank you for your presentation. Um, under M3.1.14, direct access to stations, it says the city shall ensure that development projects located in the central city and within one half mile walking distance of existing and planned light rail stations provide direct pedestrian and bicycle access to the station area, comma, to the extent feasible. Though I think those last four words, I don't know, shouldn't be there or should be rephrased because it sounds like, oh, not feasible, we don't have to do it. I mean, there should be some justification for not having it. I'm not, uh, okay, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I couldn't amend it right now, but uh, definitely taking your comment in. There was a lot of discussion as far as having uh, direct access. There are some paths that um, you know, pedestrians and bicyclists, more importantly, can use. Um, I'm not sure if, the, uh, uh, the, if Nick wants to comment on that, but um, you, definitely your comments are welcomed, and uh, we'll, we'll look at that some more. Yeah, back to the general plan. So that's a change that we need to propose within within that document. Uh, Commissioner Rowe. Hi, could you just go uh, provide maybe a little bit of rationale of why there were class two bike lanes um, for this area instead of the class one? Or do you have that kind of background information, what was being considered and why that decision was made? Thank you. Yeah, and, um, I'm going to, I'll see if Nick wants to comment on that and then I may add something to that. Okay. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, Nick Abdus, uh, Law Offices of Abdus and Cucci on behalf of the Stone Beetland Project. So relative to Consumers River Boulevard and the Class 2 trails, Consumers River Boulevard is a, is a built-out roadway. Um, we do have uh, several Class 1 trails uh, in, within the plan but we are not proposing to change anything on Consumers River Boulevard, so that's why it is there today. So, but we do have Class 1 trails east-west uh, along A Street and along the west side of 24th. Yeah. You, can you pull up your... Yeah. So, yeah. As you can see from this exhibit, um, we have the Class 1 trail north-south um, between 24th, between Consumers River Boulevard and A Street. And then we have the uh, Class 1 trail from east-west on um, uh, Street A, uh, which is along the south side of the 102-acre site that the city currently owns. That... Uh Enough information, mm -hmm. Commissioner? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Bra uh, Brazel. Thank you for the presentation. I was concerned about the uh, bike trail there also just kind of dead ending at this point. Was there any, and the connectivity issues to the um, neighborhoods, uh, the westernmost portion will go along 24th Street, I guess it is there. Um, was there any consideration in maybe extending the bike trail along 24th to connect into the Meadowview area or or the street itself? Um, we just 
planned uh, our what's on our site. We we didn't plan any off-site trails. I mean, certainly that those connections make sense. We do show uh, future connections there. The uh, that part of Delta Shores has a process. Their small lot tentative maps, and we fully anticipate that the city will impose that requirement um, when those applications do come in. But that's currently vacant land. Okay. Yeah, it's just my concern. Like I said, it. Development's been there for a long time, and um, it, just how quickly the, the the connection will be made in there between those, and it won't be just a trail going anywhere or nowhere. <laughs> Thank you. I would awful offer a, a a very good connection into the city of Elk Grove from South Sacramento as well. So I hope the city takes that into consideration and and developing this for going forward. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Harris. Uh, thank you so much. Um, so this I thought I had done it. Okay. <laughs> Um, so this project benefits from a specific change to the state rules which allow for um, denser development and a waiver of CEQA requirements with the understanding that it takes advantage of light rail and provides alternative means of transportation, meaning biking. And that's part of the requirements. Am I understanding that? correctly is the trade-off or am I missing something? So the um, transit priority uh, provisions in, in CEQA give you, they don't waive anything. They streamline sort of the requirements. You have to be consistent with uh, SACOGs, in our case, the, the MTP SES, which we are. And by being able to tear off the, the work that SACOG has done in that document by providing, um, there are certain requirements relative to density and proximity to the light rail station. And so we meet those requirements. And by meeting those statutory requirements, we get to do a s separate type of CEQA document called the Sustainable Communities Environmental Assessment. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. So as part of that, do the bike lane classifications feature into your ability to use that? Not explicitly. It was important for us to create a community. Obviously, this is a very unique opportunity. This is the largest transit priority project in the region. Um, it, it obviously takes advantage of the existing Morrison Creek Light Rail Station, which is active today, but there, there literally is no way to access it. Um, but it does stop there. I've been on the property, and the train does stop there, which it, it is a little interesting. But in any event... Um, uh, so with that being said, it was important for us. Obviously, it's a critical piece between, obviously, the new part of the Delta Shores and then the existing communities of uh, the Detroit neighborhood in particular. But we have Deerfield, Mesa Grande, and obviously Meadowview close there. If you've ever been to the Detroit neighborhood, those streets just dead end. There are no cul-de-sacs. It's, um, it's really unfortunate. There's only one way in and one way out. So what was important for us was obviously to provide uh, connectivity to those communities, but also an amenity where we included instead of, you know, we didn't want to just build the new community next to it. We wanted to integrate uh, this new community into the existing community. It was a very thoughtful design in terms of uh, that interface uh, with uh, the Detroit neighborhood. Uh, we think there are 
uh, abundant uh, pedestrian and bike opportunities, amenities in, within this plan. I challenge any of you to point to another plan in the city that contains as many, uh, I think, bike and pedestrian amenities. Certainly, um, as a city, we can always do better, but I, I, I think from our perspective, we've been at this for almost two years on this project. Uh, some of our biggest challenges, honestly, have been um, getting folks at, at the city to think differently about what we want to do. Somebody mentioned uh, the gentleman, the commenter, about the size of streets. Uh, that was not our original proposal. Uh, we got significant feedback about meeting um, city standards, public work standards for street widths and whatnot. I, you know, it's it's not on necessarily on the applicant. We we thought we were actually ahead of the uh, of the curve in terms of uh, our concept originally. But you know, there are standards in place, and sometimes uh, getting folks, technical folks, to uh, look at things differently uh, takes time. And certainly, the input of this commission as well as others will slowly help uh, change that. But th th that's yeah. I absolutely appreciate it, and um, I'm thrilled. I want to make sure that this becomes, um, that we get all the lessons learned so this becomes easier and more streamlined for everyone because we have such opportunity in our city. Um, so the, this is the existing bike lane. I'm, I'm unclear, and I, I guess my encouragement for city staff coming forward be clear. What What is the decision that's before us, and why does this need a waiver? From us, okay. so, I, there's no waiver. There's no, yeah, there's another waiver, so there's no waiver. Yeah, currently the bike. How specifically? We're adding, adding to the bikeways master plan. Currently, the bike, bikeways master plan terminates at the Detroit neighborhood. There's an exhibit that shows. I mean, we're going to be providing the north-south connectivity and then east-west something that's currently not in that document. So, really, our we're just have the honor of accepting more bike lanes. As, a, as I guess you put that. I, I, I just want to be clear what our decisions are. I'm super excited. I just don't want us to get wound up. No project is everything we might always want. So I want to be clear that our decision is yay more bike lanes. Okay. Yes, that's exactly right. And if you look at this exhibit, you just see that there's nothing within our project area, and that's where it ends. So. Yes, technically we are required, since we are adding, that we're not technically consistent with this, but we are adding, so therefore we need an amendment. So you make, a, obviously, a recommendation on our proposed amendment to add more bike and pedestrian facilities. And may I add, um, once this is adopted and incorporated into the existing bicycle master plan, we can include that in considerations as we're updating that plan through the Streets for People process. Great. Thank you for the clarification. A um, little bit concerned by your one comment that there was pushback from city staff to reduce the, the lane widths. Um, so maybe Angel. Well, let me be clear. It was not planning, as you as you probably yeah. gathered. <laughs> I city assumed. Is, city is not one one thing. Uh, you know, it, it's you know, and again, we have a very good relationship. So you have great staff. Again, sometimes it's that inertia that's and a and a thought mindset that's been in place for a very long time. So it's not. I think motivated by any malintent, uh, but yes, it was primarily public works, and yes, they wanted um, their, you know, they view their job as obviously providing safe and adequate automobile facilities, and that was a constant uh, tug of war that we had, because obviously we have a 
transit priority project. We wanted to gear everything towards that light rail station. We concentrated density. You know, we have the trail connections. We, you know, but again, it, it was challenging. And, and ultimately, the engineering standards uh, prevailed, you know. Um, so... And I'll, I'll make another addition here. The amendment to the street design standards will be coming to this commission within the next few months. Uh, the beginning of the process to amend the street design standards, I should say. So, and I, uh, apologies, I'm not super familiar. Is there a way to do a design exception within the city that, that this project could pursue? I'm not able to answer that question. There are ways, but that I'm sorry to say that train has left the station a long time ago. <laughs> and, and it wouldn't be on this for the bicycle master plan. It, um, yeah. it would be more so on the, you know, on the actual entitlement for the project itself. Um, I will say for public works and uh, planning in general, we tend to lean more towards, you know, as, as most everyone knows, you know, not wide street ways we want to see bike and pedestrian pass. One thing, though, definitely that uh, public works was considering is the city's property, uh, the 102-acre site, and that there could be traffic from that coming in. So there was some of that hesitancy as far as uh, for them to keep those wide street width, wider street widths. So, yeah. Yeah, for for the so were were you all going to any other city commission um, to discuss the risk, or was this a conversation solely between staff and then you, the development team? That, that's usually how it works. Okay. Issues like that don't don't come uh, you know to commissions for determinations. Usually, what happens is we submit an application. You know, we identify all the details of the project. Their staff are use them for you know compare you know uh, compatibility yeah. with the general plan standards that are established. And there's a back and forth that usually results in tweaks to the project over time. And that's how we get to a, um, to where you're at, what you see yeah. today. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah, I know it, it doesn't might not seem like it's something that should come to us, but I think wider roads are usually directly in conflict with supporting active transportation infrastructure. So I 100% agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's really unfortunate uh, that we weren't able to, to reduce the lane with within this project but um, in general very supportive of of what you've presented forward to us excited to see more folks actually living near this transit station so hopefully we'll we'll get some more riders there um, but we do have um, some more questions and comments from commissioners um, Commissioner Gibson did I have a call uh, no yet? I don't need to speak at this time Okay, <laughs> Commissioner Banks. Yeah, you unmuted me, thank you. Could you guys go to a different one of these slides? The one that, not that one either, not that one either, that one. Um, Saba and Civic Thread both had opportunities to weigh in on the planning of this back last year sometime. And if you look at this orange line, commissioners, that kind of bisects uh, West Village and Central Village, that is a 10-foot wide sidewalk, and we argued for that to at least be 10 feet wide or wider, because what this this doesn't show you is that, you know, there's parking spaces and, you know, buildings and all that stuff. So in the discussions with everybody, we thought that having this orange 10-foot wide or wider space would allow people to not go to the to the outsides and get to that transit station by bisecting, staying within the larger development and getting to the transit village. It was a little bit of a compromise, but at least it also got people to the to, to the two parks within. So at least 
then, I remember it being a major trade-off because we had the same discussion about Consumers River Boulevard and Consumers River Boulevard is definitely too wide and too fast, absolutely in agreement with everything. But this 10-foot wide sidewalk, which we would love to be even wider, uh, would end up being almost you know, an internal bike path to get to that transit station. That's my comment. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Commissioner Banks. Really helpful to know that you've been advocating for this project <laughs> for a few years now, so, so that is great. Um, Commissioner Hopped. Well, I think anytime there's an opportunity to um, build more class one bike trails, I am all in. And I do think that this provides an excellent opportunity for further amendments to the bicycle master plan to extend this trail into Meadowview. But I um, definitely move for a recommendation to the city council to approve these amendments to the bicycle master plan. I second. Great. All right, so I have a motion by Commissioner Hopped and a second by Commissioner Harris. Uh, will the clerk please call the roll for a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Banks? Yes. Commissioner Brazel? Aye. Commissioner Gibson? Aye. Commissioner Gonzalez? Aye. Commissioner Harris? Yes. Commissioner Hodel? Yes. Commissioner Hopped? Aye. Commissioner Lee? Absent. Commissioner Rowe? Aye. Vice Chair Granville? Aye. Chair Dewar Westbrook? Aye. Thank you. Motion passes. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah. I think it was a, a great discussion amongst the group and definitely opportunities for us to bring um, these additional improvements when we're talking about the bicycle master plan. So more to come. Um, all right. Uh, the next item is members' comments, ideas, questions, and meeting conference report. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez. Thank you. And I'm going to ask your forgiveness in, in advance. I do have a couple items that I want to bring before the commission. The first one uh, is pertaining to the imminent closure of the temporary alfresco dining program that was set up during the pandemic. It seems that a number of restaurant owners and operators in Sacramento have received somewhat jarring letters from the development department saying they need to dismantle all outdoor patio areas if they're not in compliance with regulations by June 30. While I appreciate there is a potential exemption if permits for permanent patios are applied for in time, the process as it stands feels rather punitive than helpful. The tone and content of these letters that were shared by, uh, to me by several restaurant operators have elicited significant alarm and even a sense of demoralization. Given the immense economic pressures these businesses are already experiencing, this additional stress could have far-reaching implications. We should remember that many of these establishments provided essential services during the lockdowns, offering not only food, but also a sense of normalcy and mental respite during an incredible difficult period. And in that light, I feel that we owe them a more em empathetic and supportive approach. I would propose that staff make a concerted effort to ensure future communications are not only clear, but framed in a way that highlights our shared goal to help these businesses succeed. We also need to provide these restaurant owners and operators with all the necessary guidance and support they need to navigate the transition from temporary to permanent outdoor patio areas. And since the jurisdiction of these outdoor spaces many times falls under parking enforcement, I fear the nuances of customer service and understanding the unique challenges these restaurants are facing may be lost in such an arrangement. Secondly, I want to share with you all that just 10 days after the ride of silence on May 17th, we lost Charles Anthony Carlson, a 49-year-old Sacramento resident in a motor vehicle versus bicycle collision on State University Drive. 
And while the details of this incident are still under investigation, we do know that on the scene, a large SUV-type vehicle collided with Mr. Carlson, resulting in fatal injuries. The location of the incident, Sacramento, uh, California State University, Sacramento, is sadly a site known to several collisions, some of which have been fatal. These accidents serve as a grim reminder of the dangers faced by cyclists and other vulnerable road users. And after my own personal observation of online discussion and debates, I've noticed an alarming trend of motorists prematurely blaming cyclists for collisions and demanding that cyclists forfeit their right to the roads. This mindset is not only counterproductive but also dangerous as it promotes an adversarial relationship between different road users. Uh, one resident extended to me information about vulnerable road user laws, a potential solution to this escalating problem. These laws aim to safeguard vulnerable road users by, strict, by imposing stricter penalties for violations and incorporating anti-harassment ordinances. <clears throat> it's imperative for us to realize that while operating a motor vehicle, especially a large one, inherently increases the potential for harm for those around us, this responsibility is not just about obeying traffic laws, but also recognizing the vulnerability of pedestrians, cyclists, and other users on the road. I strongly urge the city of Sacramento to consider implementing vulnerable road user and anti-harassment ordinances. Our city streets would be safe and wel should be safe and welcoming for all users, not just those behind the wheel of a motor vehicle. I also want to share that it's heart very heartening to witness the flurry of activities surrounding active transportation pathway infrastructure and ADA upgrades in numerous intersections and our crosswalks in the city core. But I have to also share concerns brought to my attention regarding the communication regarding these upgrades and associated construction works, which have not been clear or comprehensive. Many residents and business owners have expressed their frustration to me over the lack of predictable construction schedules and clear detour routes. A case in point is the ongoing confusion faced by members of the Sacramento YMCA, of which I am a community advisory member. The executive director shared with me that members have been significantly inconvenienced by the unanticipated road closures and a lack of clear alternate routes. I do understand that construction timelines can subject to, be, to many variables, such as weather conditions and resource availability. However, the least we can do is strive for transparency in our communications and provide timely updates whenever possible. I personally experienced uh, unexpected road construction sites with no uh, warning. There seems to be a lack of clear detour signage adding to the overall confusion. I believe as a city we can do better than that. And lastly, and thank you again for indulging me, I'd like to address uh, a critical issue that was highlighted today in the Sacramento Bee. They have written two uh, very detailed exposés drawing attention to how poorly designed streets in our city are con contributing to a worrying rise in hit-and-run collisions. According to their research, 140 people have been killed in Sacramento County due to hit-and-run collisions since 2018. And only 10% of the culprits have been brought to justice. And this does not even account for the instances when a driver remains on the scene following a collision. The Sacramento Bee's investigative report commendably linked these troubling events to the design of our legacy street corridors, many of which are in disadvantaged communities. And they have correctly pointed out that the design of these corridors can inadvertently facilitate high-speed driving, thereby increasing the risk of such collisions. I hope the Sacramento Bee and other news outlets in our area will continue to contextualize future incidents in this light. We must understand that the design of our roadways is a significant factor contributing to these tragic collisions. And until we make changeable changes, tangible changes to our built environment, we will continue to see these unfortunate collisions reoccur with alarming frequency, particularly in the same problematic locations. They're more than just incidents. They result in serious injury and loss of life. So I commend the Sacramento Bee for their investigative work, and I urge everyone watching this meeting to share this critical uh, expose with their networks. We need to start a conversation with our friends, our neighbors, and within our communities about how we can shift our approach 
to prioritizing all users of the roadway, not just motor vehicles, so we can be part of the narrative change that will transform our transportation from one that is often deadly consequences to one that is safe and equitable for all. Thank you for the indulgence. Commissioner Hodel. Um, can you tell me when streets for people might be on the agenda? I have an update in the um, report out. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But, but the short answer is we do not have the next phase of Streets for People agendized yet, but I'll go over our calendar. Okay. Uh, second, um, there is a, something called the Airport South Industrial Complex um, in North Natomas, and there have been community meetings about that and, uh, and some active transportation uh, questions and comments and things that are floating around out there, and I'm wondering when that will come up for our input. Um, you don't have to answer that now. I'll just hand it to you and you can. Absolutely. I'm less familiar with the uh, uh, process to request a presentation, but um, whatever that is, <laughs> I think oh, I hear this I'm as I'm seeking a more information request. about where we are in the process, the city's role, and in particular some of the proposals that are being offered to the public, which in reality don't exist. So, okay. Uh, third, um, Allie, I think you were at Rio Velo representing ATC. Um, just my, I was just there as a volunteer, but not representing the ATC. Oh, so, okay. So someone told me, oh, ATC was at the, oh. and I was thinking, <laughs> we'll invite the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I was just volunteering with Civic Thread. Um, yeah, maybe someone I mean, there if is a connection. Can, yeah. If we can have a presence out there at different events, I, I would be willing to participate in that. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. I know city staff is going to be at a lot of community events talking about the Streets for People plan, so maybe there's an opportunity to invite a commissioner or two to those, um, yeah, public engagement meetings, and I think mm -hmm. it would be helpful for all of us to hear, you know, directly from the community because usually you're reporting back to us. Um, so I'm open to that if you all mm -hmm. are. And then finally, um, on the 20th, next week, there is a presentation by you here, correct? Uh, for the P and PE. So I just wanted to read P and, well, maybe you can explain what all that means. <laughs> but it would just be nice if some of us could be there to support you. I would love the support. So, yes, um, Commissioner Hodel is uh, bringing up that the status of walking and biking report, which we approved as a commission in January of this year, will be going forward to the PNPE committee next Tuesday at 3 p.m., if I remember correctly. Uh, we checked earlier, and uh, the agenda for that meeting is live um, on the city's website. So if uh, folks watching the meeting today or are in the room are interested in getting more information, it is um, on the city's webpage under meetings. Um, I believe it's where, where you can locate that. So yes, um, I've been given a very small uh, amount of time to, to make a presentation uh, next week, but I would love to have the support of my fellow commissioners and others in the community <coughs> that are in support of our recommendations. Uh, so item number seven, fantastic. Uh, yes, so we will be doing that. And then moving forward, um, 
the uh, annual report to council will be done by city staff. City staff will then present that report to us as a commission and we will you know, vote on whether or not we're in agreement. Um, and so that is, it's gonna be slightly different from what we did last year where our commission took the lead, wrote the document and then ultimately voted on it. So there's a slight change, um, but I will be presenting uh, next week with Jennifer. Uh, Domlin Wyatt from the city. So, so when is the meeting that you were, were talking? The second meeting you were talking about. When is that one? Um, the second meeting. There's only when one meeting. Oh, when is? Sorry. I think she's asking when's it coming back here. Oh, when is? Well, oh, the um, the next annual report. Yeah, we we had a discussion. I've had a I've talked with Jennifer about this, and um, ideally, I would like it to come to our commission. Bef like maybe September or October if possible because we don't meet in December um, and we need time to vote on it and provide our comments and so I, I would like to see it you know a little bit before the end of the year if we can uh, so that that's the goal um, right now but again with, with the changes to how these reports go forward we've now put the onus on city staff who are already overburdened with uh, other tasks and duties so um, yeah, don't want to, I don't think we have a firm date for when it will be back to this group, but it, it, it's definitely um, going to be before the end of the year, ideally. Uh, Commissioner Gibson. I'd like to uh, just first uh, thank Commissioner Gonzalez for bringing up a f few items that I was uh, also planning on bringing up. Uh, first of all, when it comes to the alfresco dining reports in both the Sacramento B and by ABC 10, is that this is not looking to meet as policy goals. I believe only one a uh, business that had a temporary structure applied to get a permanent structure. Um, from reports in the media, the fees appear to be quite high, um, hundreds of dollars a month, and for small businesses and restaurants, that is very cost prohibitive. So as we look to pedestrianize our streets and open up our community to everybody, we need not, uh, not just worry about uh, creating the policy, but also implementation. Two months ago, I did request that this was a log item. However, that was denied by staff on the grounds that that was already approved by council for a policy. Um, also, two months ago, I took a moment to acknowledge uh, regional traffic fatalities, uh, victims of uh, traffic violence, primarily around bike and ped. Uh, I didn't do it last month because I didn't see anything reported in the media, but the media obviously doesn't catch everything. Um, one person I want to acknowledge is Casey Rivi uh, Riviera. Uh, he was 42, was a father of two. On May 18th, he helped ducks cross the road, quite literally, on Rockland, in Rockland on Park Drive and Stanford Ranch Boulevard. Uh, media is reported by ABC 10 that community members called for better traffic calming signaling that was um, um, not there. People were putting out rubber ducks um, in acknowledgement that he was doing a beautiful little thing of humanity, and unfortunately the driver was 17 years old and collided with him and killed him on the scene. In um, Pollock Pines, five preschool toddlers were injured in a collision. Three were reported as serious at the collision. Um, they were attending Pine Top Montessori School on May 31st is when the collision took place at Pony Express Trail near Willow Street in Pollock Pines. Um, an appliance truck, I believe the driver was 21 years old, um, was the one who collided with them, and they were in a um, uh, crossing, uh, a pedestrian crossing spot. Neighborhood members have already previously called for traffic calming. There was apparently a plan in the works for the last five years, according to the Sacramento Bee. Uh, Josiah Steyer, uh, 16 years old, on June 5th, was the victim of a hit and run 
uh, near Highway 50 in Placerville. His family was recently evicted from his home, and he was, uh, his family was staying at a hotel nearby. Um, in District 3, it was, quite really, it was really rough these last few weeks. Um, there were two major traffic collisions, uh, both single car at this time. Um, in my neighborhood in um, River Oaks or Willow Creek, uh, Miriam Neum, 27, including four others that were injured, um, had a collision on Barandish Drive. This was a single vehicle. Um, I can tell you my neighborhood president, uh, Z. Wayne Johnson, previously requested traffic calming, which was not put in Brandish Drive. He requested that calming a year or two ago. Then, um, most tragically, on San Juan Road, um, there were three deaths as of now. Um, Rayshawn Armstrong, 25, Zayden Margram, 3, and Alexander Leon, 7. I've been, uh, they were all in a single vehicle. Um, I do have to say the driver has since been arrested in that um, collision that took place. Um, there, from what I've been told, the other members that were in the vehicle, mostly children, um, which is partly why the driver was likely uh, arrested, um, are still in precarious medical conditions. Um, I spoke with a community leader in that neighborhood um, soon after the collision, and she said at least on four separate occasions she requested um, traffic calming um, to, the, to either city staff or the former council member that represented that district, um, and only very minor improvements, such as a small sign, was placed. Um, there is a new development, actually, that was already approved, approximately 70 homes uh, right near San Juan Road, where this is an S-curve, where the, it's particularly dangerous. Um, we need a light signal there. We need a signal. We need a traffic signal there. Um, that's what I'm calling for for that area of my district, and I think a lot of other community members are um, calling for that. Um, it's always tough to talk about things, but, you know, I've, I've reviewed where we're at on traffic fatalities and injuries, and unfortunately they're going up. To be honest, they're going up nationwide, but what's in our control is not whether we have this notification device, what people want to talk about fantasy football while you're driving, or that our vehicles are getting heavier, uh, by the day and more dangerous by the day. Um, what is in their control is our street and traffic design. And so when we see that there are more traffic fatalities than homicides in our city, um, it's why I'm so insistent about some of these things. Um, so onto the business side of my, my comments as I have the floor currently. Um, from my request um, for comments um, on the, uh, for the general plan, um, uh, as the talk is to get it agendized for the next meeting, which is in August, um, might have people clarify what's the formal process so we ensure that it does get agendized. And my second question is, I would love to have other input that I'm not, not, I'm not the only one putting things on the agenda for formal discussion. Of, are other commissioners able to um, put together other recommendations that we can have an action item to vote on um, at our next meeting? It, it's my understanding that you would, to agendize, well, I think I actually need to agendize it, if that's correct, um, as chair. Um, but typically what would happen is the uh, item, we would um, submit a staff report to Jennifer um, that includes the, the, the item itself and a description of that item. Um, and then with it would be attached uh, the letter that was written, um, and then it would come to the, the next meeting, and then we'd have a discussion. At that point, that's when other feedback from additional commissioners could be incorporated. Um, and then we might have to wait till the next, sorry, I'm like looking over at you. Um, <laughs> we have, it's, it's, 
been, a, I'll, I'll be honest, it's been a little tricky navigating like how we should go about I, I this. I know and the rules have kind of changed a little bit, but yes. I think you, and I didn't get a chance to look at the, um, the your log, your active transportation log. I know, Yeah. I mean, this is the first time I think I've acted as counsel for your, uh, your commission. I do the Disability Advisory Commission as well. Um, and typically what we will do is in this section of the agenda, uh, members' questions and comments, you can request, hey, I'd like to have this come back, or I'd like to have this placed on the agenda, which you've already requested. Uh, yeah, I've uh, forwarded along to uh, Jennifer, Leslie, Jeff, and Allie sure. the uh, document I uh, spoke about. So I think it should go on the, go on the agenda log and... Uh, that's at least how we do it for the Disability Advisory Commission. I don't know, Jacob, if you have any input. Uh, yes, so your request here would put that on the log, and then staff and chair would discuss priority of that, and obviously that's a high priority, so yeah. you have your prerogative to put it on the next agenda, um, or the next uh, regular meeting agenda. Okay, yeah, that is the preference. So, but going on the log, typically we have to vote on things on the log. So I would like to not put it on the log and just move forward with sending a letter. Because it usually would be added to the log and then we come to this commission and then we all vote on it. So I think a, a way that we could not have to add it to the log and we could simply put it on the agenda, vote on it at our meeting in August is what I would like to do. I, I believe the procedure that we've been using was one that Commissioner Buon Rostro recommended to us some time back. I don't think it's it's not mandatory. It's something that the commission approved. If you wanted to go to a much simpler process, I don't think there's anything standing in the way. No, you can, that request can be um, yeah, heard by you and staff and you can put that on the, on the next agenda. Um, I don't believe it needs to be formalized on a log necessarily. Um, yeah, I think that's fine. I, you know, I, I mean, the log process provides a way, uh, you know, hey, I'd like to hear about this project. And, you know, by putting it on the log, then staff can reach out to whoever needs to do a presentation or whatever. But in this case, I think you can just move forward because uh, it's already been brought up. So um, if you just wanted to put it, you know, your prerogative, put it on the, uh, I guess it's the August agenda. August meeting. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, and then I think we just have to make sure that anything that's within that the what we ultimately discuss is within the purview of the ATC. That would probably be that's always that's always yeah because I think there was a few things that maybe weren't so um, we'll be we'll, we can figure it out though I'm, I'm confident in us so uh, thank you yeah just uh, thank you staff for clarifying process this first time I've uh, made a motion that. Um wasn't just a very simple one, so I appreciate clarification for the process and uh, working with everybody for um, ensuring that we have a full discussion. And when it comes to um, uh, to the chair about what items, there are some items that are definitely directly related to biking and walking, but however, there are other items that are indirectly related to biking and walking. So it sounds like that could be a determination um, two months from now, whether those can be included or not. Yeah, I think, yeah, those indirect ones is where I need to have a little bit more conversation. Uh, Commissioner Harris. 
Thank you so much. Um, we're all learning today because I would like to also add something to the log but recognize its time sensitivity. Yesterday um, we received a notice via email that the Office of Secretary of Transportation will soon release um, a joint notice of funding opportunity for the Reconnecting Communities Pilot and Neighborhood Access and Equity programs. I believe this was something that was already on staff's radar. I believe they may have actually met and had a, a community discussion. Um, it is something that is going to be released soon. It is, um, so you don't have to read it yourself, an exciting opportunity to provide funding for both the planning and construction of exactly the sort of projects we're concerned about. It has an equity component. It's all about reconnecting neighborhoods around features that bar active transportation. Um, so I would request to add it to the log. I can send an email as well. However, um, there, there's no vote. I would just like to get an update on how the staff is planning to proceed with any funding requests under that requirement. I believe it may already be in, you know, that you guys are aware of it, and I, I just would like to know what's planned. Yes, I believe we did. I was trying to look up when the presentation was that we came to this commission, and I can't find that quickly. Jeff may chime in. Um, so, um, yes, definitely on our radar, and an uh, update is forthcoming. Yeah, I, I'll put it on the log if that makes sense, but you know, it is a little bit more effort, and if it was possible to have it at the August meeting, if you guys are already tracking it, if it's moving forward, I just, it's the timeliness that this is forthcoming and I wanna make sure that we're taking advantage of this. Thank you. Commissioner Banks. Sort of connected to all of this, on the log, there is um, a place mark or a holding for detours and plans for you know, active transportation people who are walking and biking to be able to move around the city while all this incredible construction is going on. I think it's time for this to move off the log and into discussion or at least to get some um, processes and plans in place, especially with the central mobility project and all of the work that's going on around town right now. It's less safe these days um, without great detour information and signage or you know, knowledge for, for people to know, what do I do when I come to this Can huge fence? Briefly address that. Actually, we approved, we, we, at one of our very first meetings, maybe even our first meeting, we actually approved a recommendation to the city council that they establish a means, uh, uh, some protocol for uh, construction companies to deal with bicycle and pedestrian throughway. Um, the recommendation went to the city council and nothing has happened since then and you may hear occasionally somebody brings it up I think it's probably incumbent upon individual uh, commissioners to talk to your council member about this and tell them of our concern that whenever a new project sprouts up the contractors give no consideration whatsoever to bicycles or pedestrians um, and I think that's the only way to move that forward is to bring that to our individual council members and tell them of our concern. I can give an update on that. Our um, um, construction detour policy is in the works now. It is wow. in Public Works as an active project. And um, we've done a lot of work on it, and that will be coming here probably before the end of the year. 
Excellent. Good to know. Yeah, progress no, has, progress has been definitely made. <laughs> yeah, Leslie, anything that Public Works can do to escalate that or move it, make it move a little bit faster than like the 50 years that we just yeah, were yeah. hearing a little bit earlier on the parkway plan, only because the central mobility project, which is really exciting and really important, is going to have a lot of construction around town. And I foresee more issues, collisions, crashes of the severe nature as a result. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a policy update, and so it won't um, drag like planning efforts sometimes down. <laughs> there's, still a, there's still steps, but <laughs> not a 15-year um, outline. It still may not be a bad idea to let your council member know of our concern so <laughs> yeah. that it does get passed by the city council. And we will be briefing council offices, so your support is helpful. Yeah. yeah. I will also add, we specifically call for um, quick action on the construction detour policy within the status of walking and biking report. So yes. if we're successful in actually getting that document in front of all of council, they will all see it. But a handful of them will see it on Tuesday or uh, see or ask um, that that move forward because it has been on the docket for a while. Um, and just on the topic of the log, I know there was discussion of um, bringing that back to our group since we've had several um, commissioners change. Um, and so there's old commissioners still left as like being um, the main contact for the items. So bringing the log back. Bring the log okay. back. Yeah, I think it needs a refresh. So if um, August is not too packed already, I think it would be really useful to, to bring that back forward to the commission and make sure, you know, um, it's has the right folks attached to each of the things. So, okay. Uh, Commissioner Harris, old one again. Okay. Um, all right. I just wanted to make one quick comment um, about the Central City Mobility Plan. I think it's been really exciting to be out riding on 19th and, and 21st, but I do want to acknowledge that um, the design of that project actually never came forward to the Active Transportation Commission, uh, and I do think that it would have been really helpful, I think, for our group as a whole to provide comments. Um, before it was actually built out. Um, I've seen a lot of conversation online um, of, you know, people not being so pleased that we go from, you know, a parking separated bikeway back to, you know, cars being allowed to park on the shoulder. And I think if we were able to have more of a conversation as a commission on what the design uh, of that facility looked like, um, you know, maybe we would have uh, more positive feedback from from our residents. Um, I do want to let folks know, though, the project isn't complete just yet. Um, confirmed with staff that they are going to be adding, um, you know, um, uh, what, K-90? Posts. Yeah, <laughs> posts of some size, hopefully the larger ones. Uh, in a perfect world, I would love to see an, a cur an actual curb or a planter. Um, but yeah, there will be posts added as well, which I think will help um, with some of the issues folks are experiencing around cars being parked uh, in the separated bikeway. So I don't think I've um, had the opportunity to ride it once yet without a car actually being parked there. So um, just wanted to bring that forward and, and you know, work with staff to, to bring forward, you know, any kind of active transportation project that we're working on to this commission. I think that's what we're here to do is to provide comments and recommendations. And so I, I think it was a, a bit of a missed opportunity uh, on, on that. Oh, yeah. Jeff, let us know. Was there a winner for the Battle of the Bollards? There was indeed. 
<laughs> uh, it was at the K71 post, so it's like the, the fatter plastic posts, and um, we had a lot of respondents that wanted a different color than white because it matches the striping on the street, so we're doing green K71s. I love the big reveal. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> great. Also, masses our city of trees, you know, green, so very cool. Bikeways are green. Yes, bikeways are green, the whole, the whole deal. Okay, great. Um, well, that was kind of my feedback for, you know, 19th and, and 21st, but overall, very pleased that they're, um, you know, in place now. Um, before we move on to the last item, which is public comment, I, f I failed to allow Leslie to provide a staff report at the start of this meeting. So I think she's just gonna briefly um, provide a report for you all and then we will move on to the last item and wrap up for the evening. Thank you, Chair. The timing actually worked well because um, Chair Dora Westbrook covered the first item and that's the ATC annual report at um, the PNPE committee on Tuesday at 3 p.m. And another um, update, um, Commissioner Hodel, uh, sort of alluded to or led me to um, in an update on the Streets for People Active Transportation Plan engagement. We have kicked off engagement. The team has already attended a D6 town hall meeting, Sac La Via, the D2 community block party, the Rosa Parks School Fair, Rio Velo, and Celebrate Oak Park. Um, so we are out at a lot of events. We will um, have, we'll, we are working on completing our event schedule now and we will certainly share that out with this group. I've seen many of you at those events and that's, all, I think I've seen Chair Dora Westbrook at all of those events. <laughs> so, um, and uh, Commissioner Harris actually stopped by at our table um, in D2 for a while. So um, uh, we are gonna continue scheduling events throughout the summer. Um, in addition to just being at other events, we're scheduling in-person and virtual workshops as well as active transportation audits throughout the city, but focusing specifically on the South Sac, North Sac, and Fruit Ridge Broadway focus areas. So if you do um, represent those areas and have specific locations that you have ideas for those active transportation audits, now is the time, like by the end of next week, to share those with us. And um, based on feedback from this group, we're also printing surveys and um, distributing those to libraries in many languages to get that um, written feedback. So thank you for that feedback and we are, um, we are taking that into action. And then again, um, sacstreetsforpeople.org um, has the mailing list and the interactive map. And it sounds like a lot of you have a lot of thoughts. And that Stone Beatland um, conversation really, um, I think those sorts of um, comments would be really helpful on that interactive map or joining us at one of our workshops. Um, those are going to be, oh, I mentioned in-person and um, virtual and dates, times, and locations, TBD, very soon. Good. Thank you so much for your, oh. Can I, is it okay to ask a question about that? Go for it. Um, uh, is there's an interactive map available online, and is there going to be an opportunity to ask questions about how that works and and, like, what does the input mean? Uh, if you're in one of the identified areas versus, you know, one of the other, do I say more affluent areas? We'll get into greater detail um, in the workshops. The, um, the focus areas are not going to be um, like ranked any higher in the plan. We're letting the transportation priorities plan determine the ranking of the individual facilities. However, we're just doing more engagement in those three focus areas. We're really trying to be okay. there where the people are because Folks in those areas tend to be less um, empowered 
to engage with their council office or with us directly. And so we're just trying to be out there at grocery stores, community gatherings, um, hosting events in the neighborhoods. And so that's where the focus areas differ from um, the non-focus areas. So the online interactive map, um, there were problems with that before with people being able to um, identify the projects and then make appropriate comments or comments on those projects. Has that been improved or solved so that it works better? We made many edits to the, the mapping feature. Um, as most online platforms, it's not perfect, and we'll take that feedback as well if you have challenges using it. We, we want to hear that so we can try to make adjustments. But there are features where you can, you can you know, drop a pin for a location or you can draw a route, and you can make comments related to that, and you can see what other people have said as well. Okay. Commissioner Harris. All right, thanks. Um, another follow-up question. Uh, thrilled about the flyers. Can I think we had a do out if we could get a copy of them as commissioners uh, digitally so we can provide them to our community associations. Absolutely. Um, we will have flyers for all of the workshops in multiple languages. We will share those out. I have some little business cards that I can hand out now with some QR codes on them, and so I'll distribute those um, at the end of the meeting. Good. Yeah, I think last meeting I mentioned like an online toolkit of how you know members of the public can share um, different materials and stuff would be. We're also developing a, a media toolkit yes. that we can share with community associations, interested individuals, our council offices, um, advocacy groups, and others. We have a big list. <laughs> awesome. Do we have T-shirts? No, just kidding. <laughs> I wish. Buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Not for the summer engagement. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a PNG. We'll make our own. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Anyways, it's getting late. I'm tired. So um, let's move on to the last item, which is public comments. Matters not on the agenda. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on public comments? Matters not on the agenda. Thank you, Chair. Yes, I have two speaker slips and no speakers online with their hands raised. The first speaker is Dan. stepping into their power and their leadership. Um, it's been a long time, and I'm glad to see that happening. Um, secondly, addressing the agenda issue that has come up a number of times tonight, um, the commissioners may request that things be on the agenda, but they are not actually in control of the agenda. It's set by staff. And over the years, and I've been here since the beginning, there have been a lot of things that were requested to be on the agenda that were never on the agenda because staff screened out issues that they weren't comfortable with. And I want the commissioners to be aware of that. I want the staff to be aware of that. If anybody is still watching online, I want you to be aware of that too. The commission has not been in control of its agenda. You are correct that things need to be on the agenda, legal counsel, um, for a decision or discussion, and they have to be on the agenda. But the system is broken, and it needs to be fixed. Thank you. Thank you. The next speaker is going to be Casey. Hello, commissioners. Nice to see you all. Um, I'm not here to rant about the alfresco program today, although uh, the findings brought up by Commissioner Gonzalez are troubling. 
Um, and I will say that if their goal was to remove outdoor dining, they're doing a great job. The parking fund is forecasting five years of declining revenue as the world embraces remote work. As long as the parking fund is imperiled, it will continue to be bailed out by the general fund like it was last year. Last year, the city allocated $5.1 million from the general fund to the parking fund to support bond repayments on the uh, loan obligations for Golden One. Uh, so why, why does parking get a bailout and why uh, but public transportation does not, is my question. So I'm here to ask the ATC to make a recommendation to the city to reconfigure its debt obligations to Golden One such that those bond payments are not tied to the parking fund. If this is not possible, the city must ensure that for every dollar allocated to the parking fund from the general fund, a matching dollar is allocated to active transportation. As long as parking isn't making any money, it will continue to drain resources from the general fund. Pouring money into failing parking infrastructure is unsustainable and wasteful. Instead of maximizing parking revenue, the city should be maximizing sales tax revenue by investing in pedestrian uh, exposure to businesses. Uh, cars do not spend money at businesses, but people do. Thank you. Your comments? That is all the speakers. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Hodel, I still have your hand up. No? Oh, okay. Just wanted to check. <laughs> yeah. Thank you uh, so much for, for providing your comment. I think it gives, um, it was a, a, a great recommendation, and so, um, I'm not as familiar with the parking side of the thing, so um, I need to to figure out, you know, a little bit. I need to do a little bit more of my own research on that. But I really appreciate you coming in and and talking, um, sharing those ideas with us. Well, that concludes today's agenda. Thank you, everyone, for your participation. Uh, but the meeting is now adjourned. Oh. Yeah.